And now, introducing the only man worth 10 years of $320 million, if for nothing else, his lovely singing voice and incredibly dry wit. His gentle caress and longing gaze with those deep baby blues will make you feel as warm and cozy as a swaddled newborn baby. He is Glenn Clark. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Paul. We are here. Obviously, much to discuss. I don't even know what the top story is today. There's a bracket. Unfortunately, there are no local teams that are a part of it, as uh, both Coppin and um, UMBC fell in their conference championship games on Saturday. So no teams from the state of Maryland or even from Washington, D.C. are in the NCAA tournament this year, which is just kind of wild. But it's what it is. Of course, obviously, Tom Brady's back, so there's that. Ryan Jensen won't be a Baltimore Raven. Not that that was ever likely because he was probably going to be too pricey for the Baltimore Ravens, but a girl can dream, can't she? And uh, they're baseball players getting ready to do baseball things, still waiting on the big dominoes to fall, of course, in uh, free agency. We saw with uh, Josh Donaldson's headed to the Yankees. And, um, you know, there's just all sorts of stuff going on. So we'll cover all of it this morning here on GCR coming up on the program today. Dan Duquette is going to join us in just a few minutes. Of course, the former Orioles executive vice president or whatever the hell you want to the assistant to the regional manager. We'll talk to him about um, what ended up coming from the new CBA and what what's good, what's bad, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, and Probably talk a little bit about um, where the Orioles are and whether or not right now it makes sense for them to be spending big money on a top free agent. Of course, the Astros apparently are back involved in the Carlos Correa sweepstakes. The word is that the Yankees are serious. They're not paying that money for that type of player. That's why they made a move like that last night. Instead, they're just not doing it. You know, I think a lot of people assume that when the Cubs made the Angleton Simmons move that that probably took them out. They were saying publicly it didn't take them out of the Carlos Correa sweepstakes, but I don't know. We'll see. We're trying to move things along quickly. Spring training games start this coming Thursday, so trying to – and not that, it, that Carlos Correa needs to be a part of the first week of spring training games to make that abundantly clear. Um but you'd like to see that movement at, at some point. We'll talk to Dan Duquette. If the Orioles miss out on uh, on Carlos Correa, are you okay? With, like, not well, I, don't they, it, but I don't even know if we can call it missing out. We still don't know exactly what's going on here. Right. But, but like, let's say that they don't sign him. Would you be okay with uh, like a Trevor Story for five years I, to I, 180? I don't expect that to be the case. I, I expect either. right now that this – if they were in on Carlos Correa, it was a unique scenario related to right. Ma- Mike Elias – and that's not a we want to spend a boatload of money on a baseball player. It's a at some point we're going to spend a boatload of money on a baseball player. Here's a really unique one that we that we happen to have a really good relationship with and is a guy that we literally drafted and we feel quite strongly about and we think can be a centerpiece type of player for something that we're doing here. So we'll consider it. Trevor Story is not a centerpiece. He's right. a nice player. Don't get me wrong. Like He's a nice player and a guy that you'd like to have on your team. But he's not a centerpiece to something like this. 
So I, I just don't think I don't think there's a big money contract if they're not in on the Carlos Correa conversation. Certainly, and it was more of a leading question than anything else because there are people out there who are saying, well, maybe they can sign this guy or that guy, and I agree with you. I think it's more unique to Carlos Correa than anything else. I agree that if, eventually, if, if it even is, you right. know what I mean? Like I keep coming back to that. I still have no idea if there is even is. I am not debating or uh, questioning Raul Ramos's reporting. What I'm more questioning is the wherever whoever gave that information to Raul Ramos. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I don't know the seriousness of the Orioles' interest uh, in Carlos Correa, and I again have good reason to be skeptical about it. But my gut tells me it's unique to Carlos Correa yeah. if Agreed. if it exists. Agreed. It's very unique in that way. Um, anyway, yeah, we'll talk more about that with Dan Duquette here in a minute. Later on in the program, uh, we will check in with Jeff Ehrman from InsideMDSports.com. The season is now over for Maryland basketball, so when are they going to have a coach? Who should we be paying more attention to? Is Kevin Willard still the guy that we all kind of have our eyes on at Seton Hall? I had a bunch of names that were just kind of thrown at me randomly this weekend, I guess because everybody started paying attention to college basketball again. Um... You know, and there isn't a. It's funny because I had people present certain arguments to me over the weekend. It's it's tough to watch what Tommy Lloyd has done at Arizona, and not think about whether or not maybe that's the way that you go about hiring your coach. Instead of trying to find someone who is a currently successful head coach, you find someone from a rock star program, and you try to get them to replicate that. There, Arizona looked to Gonzaga found the guy that had been at Gonzaga forever with Mark Few and said, hmm, you might know a thing or two about how to run a top-notch basketball program. Let's see if maybe that could work here. And, you know, obviously in a short or a small sample size, it has. Now, I don't think that Maryland could make it work quite quickly, but, you know, I started looking at, like, Villanova's staff and saying to myself, maybe is that the better route to go for finding a coach? And we get so caught up in the process of the hire and – what it means to an athletic director to nail the hire and win a press conference and have there be excitement from day one, but it's a constant reminder that the actual quality of the hire will be judged by what the coach does. And so you can you know, find someone that you can look at and say, this is a, a captivating hire. This is the type of hire that a school like Maryland should be making. They got a power conference coach the last time. And what do they have to show for it? So there were a lot of thoughts that came up, and I had a ton of, I had like a thousand names that were run by me by various people over the course of the weekend. And it's funny because I remember what Jay, Bill, Jay Billis said when he was on with us when uh, the Mark Turgeon move first happened. And he said, Look, most of these names you're going to throw at me, and I'm probably just going to say yes because I think they're all pretty good coaches, and I think that all of them could make it work at a place like Maryland. And I have some of those feelings too, frankly, that while I had preferences, there's a boatload of guys that I think would be capable of doing a good job. Do I know that they will? How could I know that? Again, when they hired Mark Turgeon, I looked at it on paper and said, okay, I don't think it's a slam dunk, but he looks like the type of guy that should be able to get better players at the University of Maryland, and if he gets better players, he could sort of be like Roy Williams light. He's not much of an X's and O's guy, but if he can get some talent, then he'll be all right. He got a little bit of talent, never got quite enough. Certainly never enough to be Roy Williams' light. Um, so we'll see, but we'll talk more about it with Jeff Ehrman in a bit. Also, Jeremy Kahn joins us as he does every Monday. I had a great time in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel yesterday, hanging out with our buddy Rodney Elliott and you guys. 
watching the Big Ten title game. Hit the under. Appreciate my guy Brad Feinberg telling us about the unders when we were chatting with him on Weekend at Bookies last Thursday. By the way, uh, Aaron Oster had a huge hit on Cal State Fullerton. Big time dog. Ah, I felt so good about that. You should be listening to Simply the Bets. He would have helped you make a little bit of cash. But I had a wonderful time hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook yesterday, and I'm going to be back. Uh, Rodney and I will both be back this Friday afternoon from 12 to 4 for the afternoon games in the NCAA tournament. Come join us this Friday, 12 to 4, in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Looking forward to hanging out, watching the NCAA tournament games with you. It's going to be a great Friday afternoon. I mean, come on, man. It's the type of time you want to be hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook because you can just watch and bet basketball all day long. 63 self-service kiosks now open. And during the first weekend of the tournament, they are open every day at 9 a.m. For you to get there early, start getting your bets in. They're open until midnight. Of course, the self-service kiosks are 24-7. And if you bet $50 on any NCAA tournament game, even if you lose, hold on to your ticket because you're going to be able to throw it into a hopper and enter to win a $500 bracket bonus at the end of the tournament. So lots of great stuff going on. You're going to want to be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel during the NCAA tournament. And now, Tom Brady. Biggest surprise ever. I have a column coming today at PressBoxOnline.com. It's sort of generic. I, it, constantly people are like, what do you think the Ravens are going to do during free agency? I don't know. Frankly, I, I mean, I, I can't hide from this. I don't know. But I think given what we've seen over the years, there are certain guesstimations that we can make. Or I think there are about five tweets that we can all bet we're going to send at some point during the week. And so my column today at PressBoxOnline.com will walk you through the five tweets I think that we're all going to send at some point during the course of the week. And we might mold them and, and, and send them in a little bit of a different way, but I think there are five things that we will say this week when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens and the start of free agency. So you can go read that right now at PressBoxOnline.com or maybe wait a little while, like listen to the show, or do both at the same time. That'd be swell if, you could, uh, if you're a walk-and-chew-gum type. You should do something like that. Um, that being said, the Tom Brady thing. No, of course not. Of course I'm not surprised by it. I guess it's a little bit surprising given the bluster that like maybe he wanted out of Tampa Bay and wanted to go to San Francisco that it's not that whatsoever. Like it's pretty clear, especially as he was able to get Ryan Jensen to come right back. Like he is committed to Tampa Bay to continue. Um if you're Tampa, obviously it's a win and a half cuz you had nothing. I mean, you were going to have to rip it all to the down to the studs. Now you come back and you have another shot at it. It is a statement both about him and also about where we are, the teams were desperate for a 45-year-old quarterback to come back and play because there just aren't enough quarterbacks to go around at the moment. It goes back to what I was saying, and it doesn't really change. Even adding Tom Brady back into the mix does not make the quarterback situation on the whole so much better that if I'm Lamar Jackson, I wouldn't be interested in demanding a trade. There are still so many teams that don't have anything at the quarterback position. Seattle doesn't have a quarterback. Indianapolis doesn't have a quarterback. New Orleans does not have a quarterback. Carolina does not have a quarterback. And those are just the teams that don't have anyone they could play. That doesn't even include the teams that don't really have quarterbacks. We're going to have a guy they're going to line up anyway, like the New Yorks of the world and Washington after acquiring Carson Wentz. There are other teams that technically have quarterbacks on the roster and could play with those guys, but also know they would be dramatically improved if Lamar Jackson was their quarterback instead. 
So just Tom Brady coming back, well, yes, it takes one team off the list of teams that don't have quarterbacks at all. Instead of it being five, it's now down to four, and I get it. One of those teams is likely to come away with Deshaun Watson, and I guess I should probably go back to Houston as being one of those teams. So it's really down from six to five. I get it. Houston might decide that they're going to roll it out there with Davis Mills, but let's be honest. We don't know that Davis Mills is an NFL quarterback at this point. I get it. I should probably put the Giants on the list as well, but it's a little bit different when you're talking about a first-round guy that you got to keep trying with than it is when you're talking about a third-round guy in Davis Mills. So I don't think the Giants get could and maybe maybe just the way i word this they don't have an nfl quarterback on their roster though daniel jones is not an nfl quarterback so fine add one more team to the list i just don't think the giants are gonna be a team that's trading for a quarterback the point of all this being just adding one team to the list does not change things deshaun watson will probably now end up somewhere you know unfortunately that's just the way that the world works if if a team can create some sort of plausible deniability and there's no video, and there's no legal issues, and they don't have a quarterback, and there's a guy with talent that's available, somebody's probably going to take a chance on him. And we already know that there's a bunch of teams that are interested in him. So I don't love it. It seems wrong, but, you know, it's just the way it works, unfortunately. Somebody's going to have Deshaun Watson as their quarterback. I'm glad it won't be my team. That being said, even that doesn't suddenly make it so that there are enough quarterbacks to go around there aren't there aren't enough quality quarterbacks still even with Tom Brady back even once Deshaun Watson ends up on somebody's team there still aren't enough quality quarterbacks to go around there are still in the neighborhood of six teams at that point that don't have any sort of redeemable NFL quarterback on their roster to the point where Kirk Cousins is still getting 35 million because if it's not him who's it going to be Who's the Vikings quarterback going to be if it's not Kirk Cousins? And they could try to make a move for Derek Carr, but how, what's the significant difference between Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins? Right. I mean, I'm not I, – I think Derek Carr is fine. I think he had a very good season a year ago, frankly. But is he drastically better than Kirk Cousins that you want to trade away draft picks in order to go get him, knowing you're going to have to pay him money instead? It's the reality of the circumstances in the NFL. Of course, Tom Brady coming back is great news for the Buccaneers. Who the hell else was going to be their guy? And obviously, Tom Brady was still very good last year. I mean, there's no world. I, trust me, I'm far beyond the world where I think it's just going to be Tom Brady falling off a cliff because he's not. He's doing things at an age where he's not supposed to be doing them. At this point, I I still I was stunned that he wasn't going to try to play till 50. I, I I don't know why this would be his final year. Frankly, until he shows the actual signs that he can't do it anymore. If I'm Tom Brady, I just keep playing. Why not play and play forever? Play until I you literally can't play any longer. Does any of it? There's some people are all worked up about this ball that was sold in that auction on Saturday. I mean, dude, if you're spending five hundred thousand dollars on a football, that's on you. Like, I, I don't feel sorry for the guy. You're spending five hundred thousand dollars on a football. Maybe think about it a little bit. Maybe say to yourself, hey, "Is there a chance? Is there a chance this actually isn't Tom Brady's final touchdown pass? Is there any world in which that's the case?" And if you've got five hundred thousand dollars to spend on a football, the other thing I'm going to guess is that you're going to be okay. Like, your life's going to be all right. I don't think we need to feel too sorry for this guy that spent $500,000. It's a bummer that it takes Ryan Jensen off the board, but as I said before, I don't think Ryan Jensen was going to end up being a Raven anyway. If you can't afford Bradley Bozeman, you can't afford Ryan Jensen. I don't know how drastic the difference is going to be in the money, but probably the case, probably true. 
Um, you could hope that there was some sort of emotional ploy that made Ryan Jensen want to come back to Baltimore where he's kept connections. He's still very involved with Show Your Soft Side. You know, he's like you could have hoped for those things, but it was never likely to be the case right. whatsoever. So, yeah, I mean, that's a bummer, but probably doesn't really impact the Ravens in a tangible way. We'll see as the tampering period gets underway today. We'll start to see agreements be reported on. And while free agency doesn't technically start until Friday, things will start falling into place today. All right, when we come back in, Dan Duquette is going to join us. Of course, uh, you know Dan Duquette, former Orioles general manager, but not really. Executive vice president was his actual title. We'll talk to him about how things ended up shaking out in the CBA and what matters and what doesn't as far as what's coming to baseball. That's on the way. It's a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have your 
Chris Jericho, Le Champion, AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR, a Monday edition of the program. It's also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football, where now that baseball is back, you know you can play some great baseball contests, plus hockey, basketball, still going on right now. Download the Underdog app. Go to underdogfantasy.com. You still can't bet on sports legally in the state of Maryland on your phone or on the computer, but you can play Underdog Fantasy Football and you can use the code PRESSBOX, and when you do, we will match up to $100 on your first deposit with free money for you to play with at Underdog Fantasy. It's been too long since we caught up with our next guest, of course, man who has done just about everything in the game of baseball in his career, including being a general manager in a few places, well, an executive vice president here in Baltimore. He is our friend, Mr. Dan Duquette, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Dan, it's Glenn and Paul back in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you as always, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Everything is good. How are you doing? What's up? What's going on in your world? Good. Uh, well, b- baseball is back, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's significant, uh, for sure. Yeah, so uh, I- I'm, I'm doing some consulting. I have a couple of clients that are uh, in the pro sports space that I've been working with, and that's, that, that's, what I've, that's what I've been doing. And we've also been delivering some critical PPE for some large institutions. We awesome. made a delivery to the state of Maryland uh, uh, last year, so that that's what I've been up to. Well, that's wonderful, Dan. I, I, that's an incredible thing for you to do, is obviously we all needed to do our part during the course of the last couple of years, so I appreciate you doing that. So Yeah, thank you. When you, uh, when you heard about everything that went into the new CBA, what jumped out at you as being like the most impactful part of it for the game of baseball? Well, I thought the uh, most important part uh, that would redistribute some of the resources was that the younger players were going to be paid better. And you saw the uh, increase in the minimum salary for the young players. You saw the appropriation of a, another $50 million appropriated to the young players before they were eligible for the arbitration process. And so th- the players that are performing uh, when they come into the league with less experience are going to be rewarded uh, by making more money on a base salary, and then they're, the, the ones that perform are, are also going to be um, given some additional uh, money. So I, th- I, thought, I thought that was the best part uh, um, for the players because that you know the clubs are dependent on these young players to come up and, and do a job, and these players are getting rewarded for contributing uh, earlier in their career. So I, I thought that was the best. Thing that came out of this agreement. Dan, do you feel like everything that's been done between that and the draft lottery will end the concept of full-on tanking in baseball? Do you feel like the, the, the lengths that were taken will do away with the idea of like a full-on... Obviously, they're always going to still be bad teams, right? Like Not everybody can win 90 games every year, but do you feel like this is enough that tanking, purposeful tanking for multi-years will be something that we no longer see in the sport? Well, I, I hope so. I, I've never been a proponent of uh, of tanking. Uh, I, I think you should try to uh, look at your club and try to do as 
much as you can to help your club be competitive every year because you you never know what's going to happen. You know you don't you don't know who's going to come up and blossom and and you know you you don't know when you're going to have the pitching together and you don't know what, when your injuries are going to happen. And you know uh, uh, a couple of clubs that tried the uh, the rebuild, uh, strip down the major league club, lose a hundred games. Uh, a couple of clubs were successful doing that. Yep. And then everybody thought that they could go ahead and follow that model and do it, okay? But not not everybody can do it. Sure, oh, <laughs> we, we've seen that. We've seen that not everybody can do it. Right. And, I mean, we and, don't know and, if it's going to work in Baltimore or not, Dan. We have no clue whether or not it's going to end up yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you miss out on a couple of draft picks, um, your timeline is cha- uh, changed dramatically, and. Guess what? Your your product uh, as, as today is is not that good, and when it's not that good, people find other things to do and, yes. and follow. So, I, I'm a I, I'm more of a yeah. You, you should be trying to win as many games as you can now. You should be trying to uh, compete as much as you can for today's game, and then worry about tomorrow's tomorrow. Now that now that doesn't mean that I don't put together a long-term plan or a three-year long-term plan or a five-year long-term plan, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. There, there's too many things. Uh, when you're running a baseball club, there's too many things that are outside your control. Uh, injuries, uh, you know, change in, change in uh, ownership, uh, change in, in, in baseball rules. So uh, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of these uh clubs come in and they don't consider uh what it's like to follow a team for a long period of time and and uh not be very good for a long period of time you know i mean it, 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 it's hard to maintain your enthusiasm for that kind of club unless unless there's some light at the end of the tunnel or unless they're out competing and uh you know you you saw the fans come back out in Baltimore after we gave them a competitive yep. team. I mean, you, yep. you saw that pent up demand. You saw that pent up enthusiasm. We had a we had a, a rain delay for our first playoff game with the Yankees. <laughs> I remember it well. And and um, you know they they asked some people in the stands, some of the media outlets that were there, are, are you going to go home? And they say <laughs> they said, hell no, I'm not going home. I'm waiting for a playoff game. Fifteen here years, for, you yeah, know, yeah, fifteen years. I'm not going to. Uh, th- 30 more minutes isn't going to bother me. No doubt. Uh, I'm going to go see. And then, you know, they, that was the loudest. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I mean, TBS measured it, and the, the response of the Baltimore fans was the loudest they've, they, they've ever heard. So um, I, I, I think you got to get after it. Uh, you know, will, those, will a couple of those things help? Uh, teams focus on the here and the now and being competitive. Yes, I I, I think they will. Okay. Um, I, I think those will be helpful, and I think that's a step in the right direction. But I I, I think some of these you know the some of the like the NFL has done so well because their clubs are very competitive, right? Yep. Those those games go down to the last minute. There's there's great drama in those games. All the, see all those playoff games decided on the last play of the game this year. Yep, that one weekend, every that, single one. Yes, correct. That, that is that is so compelling. So, um, you know, baseball has a revenue disparity from market to market, 
that they don't have in the NFL. So, you know, baseball has some more work to do to find ways to, um, uh, you know, make, make uh, some of these teams a little bit more competitive year in and year out. But I, I got to tell you, you know, some teams can do it. Uh, other, other teams can't. And there's some small market teams doing some great work that are, that are competitive uh, year in and year out. Um, but, you know, there, there, there's a number that aren't. He is Dan Duquette. He's with us here on Glen Clark Radio. Dan, I, I want to go a couple places based on what you just said there, and, and I'll go here. I feel like there are still critics of where baseball is that would say, why are you doing a collective bargaining agreement and the conversation of a salary cap and a salary floor don't come up? Like, Why are we still at a place where in order to make the game more competitive and to speak to you know what you're talking about, the success of football, to try to drive those things home in order to make there less disparity between small market and big market clubs. Are, are we When we bring those things up, are we just shouting into the wind? Because I, it, it just sort of seems like it's never going to happen with the sport, no matter what anybody believes is best for it. Those conversations appear to be non-starters whatsoever. Well, I mean, those those uh, conversations are conversations among the owners of the teams. Uh, I think the owners have, uh, you know, some cost certainty uh, with the under the current structure, right? Yep. And then they have some guidelines on the top end of the scale. If clubs want to go over the guidelines, they can pay a penalty to the other clubs uh, that's that's redistributed. So I think that's done. As far as the uh, minimum salary, I, I was glad to see the minimum salary go up, but I think those are discussions that you know could be could be had at uh, Central Baseball to try to come up with a solution. But uh, you know, I, I thought the uh, twelve teams for the playoffs that gives uh, more fan bases hope during the season yep. that their team can make the playoffs. And a lot of teams have made the playoffs of that wild card and have advanced to win the championship. So that's a viable option. You know, sometimes late in the season, you get your team together, guys come up from the minor leagues, you make a couple of trades. Uh, and like what the Braves did this past year, um, you know, they got their team going at the right time and they had, they had that young pitching to come up through the minor leagues. Um, you know, and they, 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 they went all the way. So I think that, that that's a good step in the right direction. More teams can be in the playoffs and, and be alive later in the season. Can I, can and, I, I, and I agree on that, by the way, Dan. I think that's a good thing. And I, and I think that that should help for more teams to be interested in trying to be competitive going into the season, right? Um, yeah. I, 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 the, let me go this route, if I could. Can I present a hypothetical to you, Dan? Um, I, I want I, <laughs> I want to use it. Yeah, I don't use the answer hypotheticals, but go ahead. I, I think you'll know where I'm going, though. Let's just say you were the general manager of a baseball team today, and they had, say, the top prospect in all of baseball. And let's just even say that top prospect's name was, like, Cradley Crutchman, all right? Just hypothetically, we'll go that route. The, the rules now say that, hey, if, if you bring your guy up on opening day and sacrifice that year of service time, um, you can get draft pick compensation for that. What exactly that is, I still haven't been able to get anybody to define for me, but there can be draft pick compensation for you if you bring your guy up on opening day, the hell with the service time thing, and he ends up having an outstanding season and he's in the top five of rookie of the year voting. If you bring him up uh, three weeks later 
and he ends up in the top five of, of Rookie of the Year voting, you're going to end up losing that year of service time anyway, so you might as well bring him up. But there's, of course, still the scenario where you bring him up, he has a decent season, he's not in the top five of Rookie of the Year voting, and you get to keep an extra year of service time anyway. It is, is the rule change with the draft pick compensation enough that you feel like general managers and organizations will put their top prospects on their opening day roster, or do you still think there's a scenario by which they say, no, it, it's, it's just still not worth it to us. We need to prioritize making sure we keep an extra year, and the difference in a couple of weeks is just not significant enough. Yeah, well, I mean, that's gonna clubs are gonna decide that on a case by case basis. Um, you know, I think you'd have to take a look at, you know, what 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 kind of uh, you know gravitas you have with your team, right? How many how many really good uh, difference maker players that are difference makers do you have, and and how long can you keep that group together? Uh, you know, I, I I remember when I took over the Expos, I took a look at the players in our farm system, the players we had on our major league team. And I said, we're going to have a terrific team, you know, three years from now. Mm-hmm. And that, that that was the 94 Expos. But I, I knew all the players. I could project them. I knew what their ages were going to be. I knew what their abilities were going to be. I knew how much time they had in the major leagues and what else they needed to do to develop their skills to be top quality major leaguers. Um, and... We put all, <laughs> we put all our focus on having a great team on '94. Unfortunately, yeah, it didn't. Right, it right. Was a, it was a strike year, <laughs> yeah. but that that's when we had that crew together, right? Yep. That's when that crew was blossoming from the from the minor leagues. That's when that organization was maturing. So you know, I, I think that's like on a case by case basis, each organization will have to take a look at it, you know, and. In the Orioles' case, they'll have to take a look at, uh, you know, what, what, when they think that these players that they have in the minor leagues will mature and uh, be big leaguers. And then they'll have to take into account what they currently have in the big leagues and how long they can keep that group together under the current constraints of their, of their, of their market. Um, but, you know, the, the good thing is, is that when you get a good competitive team and your team is good, uh, the fans notice, right? They come out and they, they watch them. They watch them on TV. They come to the ballpark. And that, that allows you to, um, you know, do some, do some uh, economic planning as well. So, but, you know, I, I don't think that really answers your question. Um, and I, 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 get, know, I, I get that it's tough by case by case. I, I guess I, I, I'm coming back to, is it as simplistic as saying, if, if there's a risk of a guy ending up in the top five of Rookie of the Year voting anyway, and I think we all think if you've got the number one prospect in baseball, whoever he is, there's, there's probably a fairly good risk of that, that why, why wouldn't you just put him on the opening day roster to begin with because you could at least recoup some draft pick compensation if that were the case? Well, right, and uh, how old is Adley Rushman? He's 24, he's yeah, he's 24. 23 or 24 years old, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, you know, what, 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 when do, uh, catchers, uh, peak, uh, in the major leagues, you know, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, Adley Rushman's got all the tools to be a good major league player. Uh, he, he had experience in double A. I saw him last year playing triple A. He looked pretty good to me. Um, you know, I, I, 
Looks like he's ready age-wise and skill-wise. He played at a major college program too, right? Yeah, won a college World Series, in fact, at, at yeah, Oregon State. So, yeah, so, I mean, he's got a, he's got a lot of good qualities. Um, you know, it looks to me like he's probably ready for the big leagues. What the Orioles do, I mean, that that's up to them. But based on his age and his skills, um, he's probably ready for the big leagues. And um, th- that... Um, that uh, provision in the uh, new collective bargaining agreement is supposed to encourage teams to look at uh, including the very best players in the big leagues. I mean, I think the fans all over baseball, right? They like to see the best players. Yep. Yep. Uh, they like to see the best players uh, in the big leagues. I mean, that's why they call it the big leagues, right? That's what it's about. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. If, if the guy's ready, let's have him here. What are we doing? What? Are we sitting around wait, but I have, but we've also always understood it. You needed to make good business decisions for your organization. Like it was, it was foolish to say we'll bring him up today when there's a genuine benefit to just waiting for two weeks in order to bring him up. So we all have always yeah, understood sure. it. Sure, sure. You get another year. You get, yep. you get another year of control on the other end. Dan, if I could, uh, I want to one run more by, and I know, I know I appreciate the time that you spent with us this morning. There was a there was a report a couple weeks ago that the Orioles were interested in Carlos Correa, which seemed crazy, right? Because as, as you know, this is an organization that has never spent that type of money on a ball player. Like that's never happened. We're talking about ten years and three hundred plus million dollars. At some point, if this thing is going to work out, if you know when you do something like this, do do you need to spend that type of money on a baseball player? Do you need to say, hey, if we're going to be serious? we might have to do something we've never done before in order to make this work because just counting alone on all of our draft picks and all these guys all being hits, that might not be enough to, to make yourself a championship. You know, you guys, obviously you did everything you could, right? You had all these, the talent and, and it, you know, unfortunately a couple of injuries and it didn't work out in 2014. Do you need to be willing to go that route of spending that type of big money in order to close the gap? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, having a good team uh, year in and year out is more about having a uh, a proven philosophy for developing your team. And and the best way to develop a team, to have a good team year in and year out, is to have a strong farm system and uh, aggressive scouts that can identify talent. That is the best way. That's the only way I know it so that you can have a foundation of talent in your organization. You know, adding players and spending money, you can do that at any time once you see that you have the foundation of talent to have a good team. But until until you build up your your uh, players and and the uh, bulk of the players that you have in your system, I, I don't know that it makes a lot of sense to say we got to go out and spend a bunch of money. Okay. Okay. We we, we, we got to have a we got to have a bunch of good players first. Right. Um. And then you know we can spend money, you can spend money anytime uh, if you think that that's what's going to do it for you. I understand but, exactly what you're saying. But I'd much rather have a bunch of good players uh, that that uh, have have uh, you know that our scouts have signed and that you know have been developed in our player development operation first. If you go right now to at Dan Duquette on Twitter, you'll find some more information about Duquette Consulting. 
uh, Dan Duquette, it, it, you know, I always appreciate taking the time. It, it, if, you know, when you hear that the shift was banned, do you ever think to yourself, like, maybe we couldn't have done that a few years ago to help Chris Davis out a little bit? <laughs> like, <laughs> just. Well, uh, you know, okay, think about the shift for a second, guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, um, the left handed hitters, they're up there to hit, okay? You know, they did not make the adjustment to try to bunt. No. To, to deter the defense from doing that to them, okay? Which they could have done that, right? All you had to do was bunt and be successful one out of four times, and the odds are in your favor, right? And then maybe they won't play that uh, other infielder in short field and right field and take away your – your, your uh, one-hop line drive base hits between the first and second baseman, okay? But they, they didn't do that, okay? But the fans, they don't come out to see the players bunt, okay? That's a it, fact. It's, 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 it's a hitting game. When I, when I throw the ball in the backyard and my seven-year-old wants to bunt, I said, well, wait, wait, wait a second, this is batting practice, okay? This is <laughs> bunting practice, okay? We're, we're here to hit. And, and, and that's what that's – what, that's what the fans want to see. They want to see the players hit the ball. I believe. So, I believe Greg Maddox uh, and Tom Glavin said, "Chicks dig the long ball, Dan." I believe that's the way. Well, to... that, that that's true. Baseball made a you know baseball came back uh, in the late '90s when yep. all those guys hit the home runs out of the ballpark. But you know, I I don't know that a lot, uh, how many people buy a ticket to go see the players bunt on the third base. It's a, it's a great point. It's a great point, and it was never rewarded, and and so this is where we are. I. I almost think it's a necessary evil, right? Like I'm, I wish the players would have adjusted to it, but they haven't. And I think for the betterment of the game of baseball, you kind of have to go this route to, in order to get some better action. Dan- yeah, I mean they have some, they have some restrictions on what defenses you can play in the NBA, and they have some restrictions on where you can set up and play defense in the NFL. So this is not uh, something new. This is just something that uh, MLB made an adjustment on to try to get a little bit more action in their game to. Make the make the games more attractive to the younger fans. They're trying to appeal to younger fans to, uh, you know, re, 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 replenish and get them to connect with Major League Baseball. Dan Duquette, we could talk for hours, and I would like to do that, but I understand that you have like a real life and and you make money doing things. So I'm going to need to let you go. Always yeah, appre- no, good to talk to you guys. Thank you for taking the time this morning. We really appreciate All right, thanks it. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. Dan Duquette, uh, of course, checking in with us here on GCR. Lots of thoughts on uh, everything related to where baseball is. I had a few of those things that were run by me over the week. We kept talking about the, the, the draft pick compensation. I was like, it matters with draft pick compensation. It was presented to me this way. The reason why people in baseball are so confident that this will end the service time manipulation is because of exactly what I said. If you've got a prospect that you think has a chance at finishing in the top five of rookie of the year voting and you're running the risk of losing the service time anyway, why wouldn't you attempt to recoup the compensation in the process, whatever the compensation is? And I understand that argument, but it still seems like it only really qualifies for a certain percentage of prospects. Like, that could easily be the answer on Adley Rutschman, right? Right. right. But is that really the answer on insert whoever Kyle the next... Stowers. Sure. That's a great... Compa- is that... Or even Gunnar Henderson when he gets here. Right. It... It definitely seems that way, and maybe that's the point. The point is that we're really talking about the top of the top. Stop leaving the obvious guys down. Stop mm-hmm. leaving the Wander Francos of the world. The, you know, the, Chris Bryant. Those types of guys. Everyone knows, and you want to see it in the major leagues. Nobody right now is going to go – I'm going to say nobody. 
there'd be a couple of people that would go buy a ticket because Kyle Stowers was playing in a baseball game if he was to play on, on in game number two of the season. But the guys that people would actually pay, buy, pay money for to see play, get them here. And those are the guys that are likely to be in the top five of Rookie of the Year voting anyway. So if you think there's the chance of that, why wouldn't you just put them on the opening day roster and attempt to recoup whatever compensation you can get? And so that was sold to me by a couple of people within baseball over the weekend as to why the actual compensation is not... I, I would still like to know what it is, right? Like, I would still like to get that answer. But it's maybe not as significant as I painted it out to be that it needed to be a first-round compensatory pick mm-hmm. because if you're running the risk of losing the year of, of service anyway, you just take anything that you can get back for losing that year of service. Right. So I listened to that argument. But we're still talking about a very small percentage of you're not going to go into a year assuming, like, give me a couple other guys that, who are other guys that you think could end up making their Orioles debuts this season? Uh, Robert Newstrom, yeah, Patrick sh- Dorian, sure, right? Vavra. None of yeah. those guys fit the bill of a player that you think there is any risk of them being. Now, it's not to say that it, there that couldn't they won't be an good, upside right. or an upside down world where they just they go off and they are mm-hmm. in the top five of Rookie of the Year voting and. Well, damn, you know, that sucks for you because you didn't see that coming and you lose a year of service time because of it or a year of control because of it. They get, a, a, they, they lose. You know what I'm trying to say. I'm just not saying it well, despite the fact that I talk for a living. Um, but you would lose a year of control in the process. But you're not going to work under those assumptions. So you're not going to make those decisions for those players. Those players, you're still going to leave down and you're still going to prioritize service time with any sort of player like that. But the top of the top, the the best guys, you want to bring those guys up. Put yourself in a position to get something back should they finish in the top five of Rookie of the Year voting. And say that compensation pick is a fourth-round pick. Uh, you got Kobe Mayo in the fourth round, and yeah, people are so it, high and, on him. And that's true, right? Yeah. It, it, it's still tough for me because there's still a small part of me that says, like, the Orioles are a unique example of this. It's not going to make a difference anyway, right? Like, it's just mm-hmm. not going to make a difference in how you do. So what is more valuable? How do you measure the value of draft pick compensation versus the year of service time for a player like Adley Rutschman? Mm -hmm. And then combine into that, trying to do a percentage play on the likelihood of him ending up in the top five of Rookie of the Year voting. And it has some conspiracy theorists have pointed out there is some world in which you can further attempt to manipulate this. You could further attempt to say, hey, if the team's no good... You know, we could always just force the guy to sit down in August and September and make sure he doesn't end up in the top five of Rookie of the Year voting. It's it's a dark, twisted conversation that you're having, but it's the type of thing that, like, you have, again, what is it that I'm pursuing? Mm-hmm. Why do I not make that decision? Why, if this guy goes on a slump in August, do I not use it as an excuse to say, your season's over, we're shutting you down if the team's no good and try to make sure he doesn't end up in the top five and protect my year of... Now, again, that's irrelevant if he is up on opening day, but if you decide, eh, let's see if we can't get one more year out of this, bring up Adley Rutschman a couple weeks later, he's doing well, but not well enough that it's a sure thing that he's going to finish in the top five, and you get near the end of the season and you feel like you can guarantee it by saying your season's over... Did, did this really accomplish what you wanted to accomplish for the players? It's why I still think the draft pick compensation side of it matters. I right. still think you need to have a, a real carrot 
that's looming out there to say, all right, we're not even going to consider anything else. That is too much of a reward for us to even think the rest of the equation through. Because mathematically, there's an equation that you can come up with. Risk of somebody being in the top five, what they actually do to help your team right now, the benefit of these two weeks, this two weeks worth of trade-off, all of these things can go into an equation, a formula, to figure out whether or not it's something that you should be doing. And how much can you manipulate it to control it as the season goes on on top of that. And it's easy for us to sit back and say, well, that's crazy, but that's exactly what Major League... The Tampa Bay Rays have made a life out of making these types of decisions. Cold, calculated, there is no emotion involved. We do what's best for the ball club and nothing else. And all of these teams will have to start thinking in those ways. So to me, that's why I think the carrot still needs to be significant, but I get the argument of this is enough that Adley Rutschman should be up. All right, uh, today's show also brought to you by Simply the Bets. Simply the Bets returns tomorrow morning, 11.40 a.m. We do it every Tuesday. Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday, all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Of course, you should know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. I want to touch on a couple of things that have come in this morning from... Oh, yeah. It's official now. Zadarius Smith has been released by the Packers. They decided to sign Preston Smith. They have released Zadarius Smith as his cap number was going to be $27.6 million this year. It was not going to work. This has been the assumption for some time that Zadarius Smith would be released, and I get it. Zadarius Smith fits into what the Ravens do. He is a player that does not count towards compensatory picks. Much like when we talked about Bobby Wagner last week or Trent Brown or one of those guys. These guys fit the concept. That's what they did with Kevin Zeitler a year ago that you sign a player that will not count against your compensatory pick formula. So Zadarius Smith would fit into that formula. I don't know what the market is for Zadarius Smith. Obviously, he missed a lot of time last year because of the back injury, but he did come back in the postseason, so it's not as if there's a question about whether or not he's football ready. Before the back injury, he had been outstanding for the Packers. He had been excellent. So I don't know what the market looks like for Zadarius Smith. I could certainly see a world in which he's the type of guy that people are reluctant to give real money to and he wants to sign a one-year deal somewhere. But even for one year, I just don't know. Does it, does, is it a logical name to talk about? Of course, it's a logical name to talk about. The Ravens knows Adarius Smith. You know, There's an argument to be made that why would he want to go back to Baltimore when he was better in Green Bay than he was in Baltimore, right? He was used in more appropriate ways in Green Bay than he was used in Baltimore. Of course, we know it's a different, it's a couple different defensive coordinators at this point. Um, so, you know, I, it, there was, there was a, his agent is still in Baltimore, so he still has relationships here. He still comes back here. He was posting on Instagram that he was back in town a couple of weeks ago. He still probably as friends. You know, there's plenty of reason to think that perhaps Zadarius Smith would be interested. Am I interested? Sure. There's 32 teams in the NFL. I think there'll be a few of them that be interested in Zadarius Smith. But I feel like his price tag is going to be a little too high. I just don't know. I don't I've been so confused and I've tried asking people what they and nobody seems to have a good feel. It's such a unique situation where good football player but a back injury, right? Like a back injury is a big deal, but he came back. And he was on the field. So 
there isn't really doubt about his ability to play. It's just that, like, dismissing a back injury altogether that cost you almost the entirety of the season seems foolhardy. That seems like a foolish decision to be utterly dismissive of a back injury. So I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know what the market looks like for Zadarius Smith. No clue whatsoever. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to... It will be a, He will be a name that will be greatly discussed throughout the course of the week. There's no question about that. It seems like there's something you wanted to say. It seems no. like, oh, okay. No. All right. All right. That's, I, I, I'm just balancing. It's all right. It's all right. All's good. From, uh, oh, you know, and Paul follows up, says, the Ravens' list of undrafted free agents, unlike in recent years, doesn't seem like any would garner a mega contract on the open market, resulting in a high comp pick for the following year. I, I think Bradley Bozeman actually will probably be pretty close to that. I think Bradley Bozeman is going to get a pretty pricey deal. Will it be a third-round pick? I don't know about that. But I do think that Bradley Bozeman in particular would set yourself up to get pretty good compensation because I think he's going to sign for a lot of money, Paul. Based on that, do you think the Ravens should ignore their usual conservative strategy on signings? You know, I don't know what Pat Ricard's going to end up getting, right? It's easy to say he's a fullback. He's trying to to put himself in the world where he should be viewed as half of a tight end, and so he should be paid better because of it, and whether it's him doing it or his agent. The point being, that's the way they're trying to talk about Pat Ricard on the open market. So I don't know exactly what Ricard will do, but I do still feel strongly about Bozeman. My, my thought process is always going to be the same. I do not care. I addressed this in my column today. I do not care about the Ravens' compensatory formula as much as they do. They care about it a ton. It's, it's how they operate. They operate using the compensatory formula. I have never cared nearly as much about it. Now, to be fair to them, they have used compensatory picks on a lot of really good players over the years. The percentage-wise would show you there are far more complete whiffs or mostly whiffs, than there are players that they have found over the years using compensatory picks. But we have to be fair about it. They, it it's not like the Orioles in the Rule 5 draft where they have found next to nothing and their obsession with it has been overwhelming. The Ravens have actually used compensatory picks to get good players. That's so what happens when you can select guys in the third and the fourth round. You're going to find some decent players over the years. Here's a list of guys. This is a list of players that the Ravens have gotten using compensatory picks over the years. Just to be fair about it, just to you know have the conversation, the Ravens over the years have found the likes of Edwin Mulatalo, Ovi Mahaley, Sam Cook. I hear he's been pretty good. Le'Ron McClain, Pernell McPhee, Kyle Juszczyk, Ryan Jensen, Nick Boyle, Bradley Bozeman, all taken with compensatory picks. Now, again, that's the top end, right? Like The best player they've ever used a compensatory pick on was Sam Cook. The most, you know, when you consider how long he's been here. Brandon Stevens was a compensatory pick a year ago, and you look at it and you say, okay, there's something there. We think that guy might be a player. That might prove to have been a wise choice for the Baltimore Ravens. But it's not enough for me that I say it's what you're focused. I've never believed in that. I get it. There's merit to what the Ravens have done, but I've never celebrated it the way that they have. When we start tweeting out about how they have owned the compensatory pick formula and they've had the overwhelming most compensatory picks in the history of football that's never meant much to me have they gotten good players with that yes they have they're a boatload of whiffs the brian rimps of the world david hale 
overwhelmingly, and it's not close, I think the number is somewhere in the neighborhood of 52 compensatory picks they've had over the year. i got to double-check on that math. But I found 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 guys. 10 guys. A fifth. And none of them were superstars. There were no nobody in there that's going to be confused with a even a borderline Hall of Famer. But 10 helpful pieces with 50 of these picks. Haruki Nakamura was another one I thought about putting on the list, who was, you know... He was a fine player. He was fine. He was fine. But, the, you know, he might be the 11th best ever that they've had with a compensatory pick. Haruki Nakamura. No offense to Haruki, who I love. Great guy. Tremendous. Tremendous human being and a, a, a solid football player. But that's what you can find. Is it really worth not signing a, a known commodity over the hope that what you're going to get is a Pernell McPhee or a Kyle Juszczyk? And I actually think that's a pretty simple answer. It's no. I've never felt that way, and I'm not going to feel that way. But we know the Ravens do. And there's no reason for me to expect that to change. I get your point, Paul. It's not like they've got a class that's going to lead them to... You know, three guys that are all going to go out and get massive contracts. But Bradley Bozeman in particular seems like he's likely to get a pretty big contract. And Pat Ricard will get enough, I think, that he'll help them in this formula as well. So do they sign one true free agent, cover up one of those, and accept that the other one's going to get them a pretty good compensatory pick? That seems somewhat not only plausible, but I would almost go to the extent of likely. Like, if I had to bet there's one guy that's a true free agent they end up signing. And not for a big money, you know, as I've said all along. I'm not, I, don't, I like Tyron Matthews as, rest, as much as the rest of you. I don't think Tyron Matthews coming to Baltimore. I get it. We all want to read into him tweeting back and forth with guys. And, hey, he's coming to Baltimore. I just don't, I don't see it. If I tweet back and forth with Topanga long enough, am I suddenly going to be able to go out on a date with her like <laughs> Ben Savage got to once upon a time? That was a big story for me this weekend. Um, I just don't see it. But could I see them signing one guy who's a true free agent because that covers up one of them and they still are left with this and then they try to sign somebody else who was cut and that's what they do? That sounds about right to me. That sounds about what the Ravens would do in free agency. They sign one player of significance that was a player that was cut. They sign one player of somewhat significance that was a true free agent and there's your free agency. And then after that, we go back to this things that we always say. The Ravens offseason will be defined by the draft. It'll be defined by can they find somebody post-June 1st when the compensatory pick formula is no longer part of the equation. You know, a year ago they did that with Justin Houston, and they got something from Justin Houston. More than they got from Alejandro Villanueva, who they didn't wait out until June. They signed him in May. They got something from Justin Houston. I'm not... I don't hate the Justin Houston signing. I guess Calais Campbell still has to be considered as part of this, too, now that I think about it, Paul. We don't know that Calais Campbell is going to re-sign in Baltimore. If he does, then it's moot. But if Calais Campbell ends up somewhere else, I I, I get he's, he's at an elevated age, but I don't think it's going to be for cheap. I don't think anybody's signing Calais Campbell for $2 bucks. If he signs elsewhere, they could be for a lot of money and would also factor in the compensatory formula. So we'll see. I get it. We all we are all thinking that Calais Campbell's going to end up back in Baltimore, and 
you know, the way that he played last year, I would say that I hope that he ends up back in Baltimore. I still think he's got something to offer despite being in an elevated age. But if he ends up somewhere else, that could also factor into the Ravens' compensatory formula. And from Ryan. Ryan says, Glenn, uh, how much of the UMBC game did you watch? Why is Vermont in a league with all of those teams if they're just that much better? Uh, I watched a good bit of the UMBC game on Saturday. I don't know, man. Did what league do you want Vermont to be in? Do you want them to be in the ACC? <laughs> like, it's Vermont. You got to step your game up. Try to get better. I, John Becker, I think, is somebody that absolutely should be in play for the UMass job, for example. I know Rhode Island's available, too. I think John Becker should be available or should be in play for either one of those jobs. Um, and both those jobs, of course, being jobs that probably make sense for uh, Pat, Pat Scary as well. Towson is in the NIT. They're going to go to Wake Forest on Wednesday for a game. I, I don't really understand the point of having the NIT if not all the games get to be on TV. I don't really get that. Like That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Unfortunately, the Towson game is not on TV. It's an ESPN Plus game. So it's just what it is. I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's what they do, man. It's I, I, I don't really, I really don't understand. They're like, you own the tournament. Why not just Make sure all the games are played at times they could be on te- television. What, I mean, what is the point of this if it's not happening on TV? I, I really, and I mean that. I don't understand. I, I'm not trying to diminish the value of Towson getting to play. It's cool for the players. It's cool for everybody involved. They get to play another game and go to a place like Wake Forest in order to play it. And if they were to somehow win that game, I don't care if Wake Forest stopped trying because they missed out. It would be very significant for Towson to go win a game at Wake Forest, no matter what the circumstances are. But and I get that ESPN Plus is far better than some of the other streaming service. More people have ESPN Plus than have Flow Sports or some of these other streaming options. But what are we doing here? Why do this to not get the game on TV? The idea of participating in something like this is there's value because they're the only games that are on. And if you want to watch basketball on Wednesday night, you could watch the Towson game. I mean, I guess the first four games are on too, but... I don't know, man. It's just very weird to me. Very weird to me that they would do this tournament and the game wouldn't be on TV. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. But, yeah, I mean, Vermont. Vermont's good. You try to go beat them. UMBC did it in 2018. They proved they can do it. You want to try to replicate and build a program that's like Vermont, and you want to be the team that dominates the league for years to come. That's what Jim Ferry should be thinking about at UMBC. And, no, Chris, uh, do you think – I said something on Friday. Um, I made it. When Coppin won to advance the MIAC championship game, I sent out a tweet that said, there will be basketball novices who will now believe that the result of tomorrow's game will drastically change their opinion about whether or not Juan Dixon is worthy of the Maryland job. And my point was that if you thought Juan Dixon was worthy of the Maryland job on Friday, you should think he's worthy of the Maryland job on Saturday. If you didn't think he was worthy of the Maryland job on Friday... That shouldn't change because he won a basketball game. Winning one basketball game should not alone be the difference in a coach's worthiness. The Mark Turgeon problem, for example, wasn't that he lost one game in the NCAA tournament. It's that they never did anything in the NCAA tournament. Um, I've always thought Juan deserved to be a part of the process, no matter what his record is at Coppin State. We all know how difficult it is to win at Coppin State. I've always thought that Juan deserved to be part of the process because he's Juan Dixon. It, that's the way it should work. The, 
the greatest player, and I get it, somebody, an old head is yelling me about Len Bias, but one of them won a national championship, and I know the rules were different. I understand all of those things. But the greatest player in your school's history is a coach now. And if he wants to be a part of the process, he should be. Should you be obligated to hire him? No. Do I think you can do worse in the process than Juan Dixon? I do. I don't know exactly how good of a coach Juan Dixon is. It's so difficult. His Using the record that someone has at Coppin State as a measurement is absurd. There was a lot made of the fact that if Coppin had won that game on Saturday, they would have been the worst record-wise team to have ever made the NCAA tournament. But they're, they're doing something that you can't compare to what happens even in, in mid-majors. Coppin's schedule isn't like theirs. It's a different type of job. And you, the problem is we throw things out. Won nine games at Coppin State. That might have been a hell of a coaching job there. That might have been an incredible coaching job. And he's done a pretty good job when compared to the rest of the MEAC at Coppin. Someone's record at Coppin State is not the way that you judge them because it's unbelievably difficult to win basketball games there based on what it is that you have to do schedule-wise. Do I think Juan Dixon is a candidate at Maryland? In the way that I think a lot of guys are candidates at Maryland, yes. Do I think he's one of the top three? No. Do I think he's in the top five? Eh, not really. Would I have a problem if Maryland hires Juan Dixon? Not at all. Not at all. He's Juan Dixon. He matters. He deserves that right. Is he ready for a job like this? Uh, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I know they lost yesterday. Penny Hardaway's looked pretty good at Memphis. There are there are examples of guys that have succeeded without having significant success as a head coach. I don't know. I, I I wish I could predict the future and 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 tell you for certain that one of these guys could do it. I can't. It's insane. But he deserves to be a part of it, and we'll be a part of it. We're going to talk more about it here in a minute. Jeff Ehrman from InsideMDSports.com. We're into hour number two of Glenn Clark Radio. You know, only because we're talking about Maryland basketball right now. Don't forget to go pick up the new print issue of PressBox, which is available right now. Gary Williams is on the cover. Celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland winning the NCAA championship in 2002. It's available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms or any of the hundreds of locations where you find press box around town. All right, Jeff Ehrman, InsideMDSports.com. We will talk about it. Is that's, that's what matters now for Maryland basketball is they're going to find their coach. Who's it going to be? Who should be paying attention to in the NCAA tournament? Who could still work their way onto the radar? We'll talk about all those things. Just a couple of minutes here on GCR. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD Gambling 
Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now, two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Jeff Ehrman will join us in just a few minutes. Hey, um, I have seen the same story. So our, our buddy Raul Ramos, who we had on because he was the one that reported about the Orioles and Carlos Correa, this it, it, not just him. There's somebody else that floated this out there yesterday that, that Scott Boris – is complicating the Carlos Correa situation because Correa switched agents during the lockout. So now, if a team began negotiating with the Orioles before the lockout, or sorry, with Correa before the lockout, and the report from Raul Ramos is that the Orioles made this offer, then Scott Boris doesn't get all of the... Um, what am I? What is Com- the... Commission from Commission, the thank you. That's the exact word that I'm looking for. Jesus. All of the commission. It's Monday. Yeah, it, it wouldn't. It would make no difference. If it was a Thursday. I just <laughs> sometimes I forget words. I don't know how to explain it. It's not. It ain't good. I know that much. Nah, we all do. Got some cognitive problems going on here. So, if he's able to find a team that wasn't in on Carlos Correa before the lockout began, then he would recoup the entirety of the commission. It has led to this thought that perhaps he looks for Correa to sign 
either a one-year deal or a long-term deal with a one-year opt-out, gets out of that deal, signs something new, and then next year he gets the entirety of the commission, whatever it is, the contract that Carlos Correa signs. There's always seemed to be an issue if the Orioles are in on Carlos Correa. And I've said this a couple times. Any early opt-out makes no sense based on what we think would be a logical structure for a Carlos Correa deal and the Orioles' timeline. The reason why there is you can convince yourself the Orioles could be in on Carlos Correa is because you can do the math and say, well, they don't really have any contracts right now, so they could front-load a deal. You front-load a deal, and then you spread it out more evenly later, and then if you need to sign some other players, you're not on the hook for $35 million for Carlos Correa because you spent 45 in the first two years of the deal. So it's more like you're on the hook for 27 28 and there's a couple million dollars more that you could spend somewhere else. But the Orioles, presuming they're still two to three years away from like championship contention at best, and adding that in with the idea that you front-loaded a deal, they don't want Carlos Correa to depart. So if Carlos Correa in three years says, I want out, there's more money than we thought was going to be here, the CBA has been good to baseball, and all of a sudden, guys like me can get $45 million a year every year. Obviously, at that point, probably not for 10 years, but you know, an eight-year, $45 million a year deal. I want to sign that. But it's not logical to put that into a contract if the Orioles are trying to front-load the deal and knowing they're not likely to be all that good in the first couple of years. So both of those things could really prove to be poison pills for any possibility of the Orioles and a Carlos Correa deal. If you're a player of this ilk, it makes all the sense in the world that you want the ability to get out of your contract if you see that contracts are swinging a certain way. All the sense in the world. No matter who your agent is, no matter what the circumstances are, if you're Carlos Correa, you want to have that choice. Can I get out of my deal if the money changes drastically? Do I really want to be locked into this? I get it. We don't have any sympathy for it. We're certainly not sitting here saying, "Ah, oh, poor you. You'd have to you'd have to suffer through making $35 million a year to play baseball." But I understand. You want to maximize your value. And if you think that there is some world in which a player of your ilk can be even more valuable in 3 years, you're going to want to have that option to try to go get that money. So if you're Carlos Correa, you don't really want to sign a deal that doesn't present you the option to opt out. And if you're the Orioles, you don't want to sign Carlos Correa to a deal with an opt-out because this is not your window. The first three years of this are not the years in which you're likely to be good. So I get it. I understand why it is that this might become an impasse even if the Orioles are. And I'm, again, I'm predicating on this on the idea that the Orioles might be interested and Carlos Correa. These issues diverging become problematic, and we can blame Scott Boris for it, but it's really the nature of being a team that isn't there yet trying to sign a marquee player to a 10-year deal. These things kind of don't work. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. 
Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Maryland basketball season over now. It's time for them to shift fully into coach search mode, although a lot of the coaches we think they're going to be in on, they, they still have games to play and to coach. Joining us now, a man who's been on top of it at every turn. I always have to, to worry because there's things that I've learned in my own reporting, and then there's things that I know that I've, I've gotten from InsideMDSports.com, and I don't want to give any of those away, so i got to be careful. But always appreciate our buddy Jeff Ehrman taking a couple of minutes for us here on the show. What's going on, dude? How are you? You don't have to be worried about the gl- that, Glenn. I just make it all up anyway. That's true. That's so a good point. I've, I've, heard that about, I've heard that about you over the <laughs> years. I've heard that. All right, so if I if we had to play a game, like if we put something at stake, you and I, maybe like a stake, right? Like if we made a bet on, mm-hmm. a, on a stake and we set a date, you said here's the date where I think Maryland will have a press conference announcing their basketball coach. What would be the date that you would want in this stake bet that we would be making? Um, that's a good one because obviously it sure seems like they're going to hire someone who's coaching the tournament. So do you, if that, when that person's eliminated, inevitably, probably before the final four, do you announce the hire immediately or does it go till after? So I would say, um, I would just say around two weeks from today would probably be my guess. That's been my feeling all along. Obviously depends who they want and if they're still coaching, but usually people move, move on pretty quickly once they make the decision. So, you know, in the next two to three weeks, but yeah, if we had to bet, I'd say like to around two weeks from today, let me go this route. We know obviously that the, the Rick Pitino thing was, was never, well, I mean, we know it was never going to happen. I, yeah, I think, I think you and I might have a similar source on why I knew it was never going to happen. Um, the Andy Enfield thing is not going to happen. Are there any other names that people continue to throw out that you are confident it is not worth continuing to discuss this person's name that's simply not going to be happening? Um, I mean, it depends who you're listening to. I think there's people keep bringing up Nate Oates. That's not happening, but they just refuse to believe it. It was never happening. Uh, No, it was never happening. $10 million buyout. I mean, come on. We know Maryland's not going to... Even just the sheer salary raise they would have to give him if you took the buyout out of the equation might not be doable. So that one, um, people still, who else are they still? Uh, Eric Musselman, you know, is an extreme long shot. You know, they still talk a lot about him. He's highly unlikely, although, you know, I know that they've discussed him for whatever that's worth, but, you know, he... He would cost a lot of money. He's got the number two class coming in at Arkansas, so that's another one. You know, people like to talk a lot about Juan Dixon, obviously, for sentimental reasons. I think he'll get an interview. I think that's an extreme long shot. And then you just get these random people like Scott Drew or Jay Wright. It's like, what? (laughs) Well, hang on. Scott Drew Drew was going to Georgia, though, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Now that he's not going to Georgia, he's going to be looking for somewhere else to go, though, right? (laughs) So. Um, yeah, I get those every day. People yelling random name. I mean, I've heard some. One guy said Chauncey Billups. I'm like, how did? Well, where did, I mean, did you just? 
We're just, all that we're just throwing out basketball hat. names. I know basketball yeah. names too. Scotty Pippen. Let's keep going. Yeah. Let's just throw yeah. out Tom those. Gugliotta. Like I don't know what the. <laughs> Vinny, I don't know where they Del Negro. These, <laughs> exactly. By the way, this exactly. actually sounds like a fun game of you and I just going back and forth saying basketball names. Yeah, right. yeah, we do it for days. Yeah, so, but no, for the most part, I think people have finally most of them, and they still people are still not giving up on Patino. Some of them, no matter what you tell them, they think because because that one report came out, which was obviously incorrect right off the jump. They kind of have that still in the back of their head. But for the most part, I think people have pretty much accepted it's not going to be one of those guys. I, I think it's an interesting spot, and I think the Patino thing plays into this because I I didn't want to beat up the junkies too much. One, they're very plugged in, right? Like I yeah. I don't doubt they are very plugged in guys. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that they were done wrong by the way that like their station shared out what they were actually saying on the radio because th- yeah. what they actually said was, "Hey, it's money, people." And as I as I ran it up, so a couple people that I talked to, the first tweet text I got back was. Glenn, the, the the boosters aren't hiring the coach. Like, yeah. it's just not working that way. And a secondary person that I'd followed up with was said I, that almost to the point where it feels like they are they are even less involved, like the boosters, than I think a lot of people would expect oh, yeah. money people to be in something like this. Like, I was almost alarmed by the response because I think we all have this cynical view of how college sports work that like mm-hmm. yeah sure the athletic director or the, the president's really in charge the reporting that I did and again not nearly as much as you have but like the reporting that I've done has suggested there's almost no involvement like the boosters have yeah. opinions but they are not being heard right now as far as the coaching search is being considered yeah there's two facets facets to that one is Maryland doesn't really have as many big boosters it's not like all these other schools or not all, but a lot of these other schools where there's these big groups of boosters and this guy's willing to give this and this guy, they have a fairly small circle of heavy hitters. And, you know, one, I think some of those people are frustrated with the results in recent years Two, A lot of them are tapped out because you keep coming back to them for the football facility. Now for the basketball facility, and when you have a small group, you just keep asking the same people for money. So to some extent, I think they're tapped out. To the other extent, Damon Evans is, like you said, running this search on his own. He's not asking for booster advice. He's not asking Gary Williams, I don't think, for advice. I don't think Kevin Plank is all that involved. It's pretty much Damon Evans and a few people in his inner circle along with this uh, search firm that they hired. He is Jeff Ehrman, InsideMZSports.com. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Jeff, I'm gonna, I want to present it this way because I, I had a couple thoughts. I, I tweeted something the other night about watching Tommy Lloyd and what he's done at Arizona, and, and it's sort of being a reminder of, hey, the press conference isn't all that matters here, right? Like, yeah. the, we obsess over it. Do you have any feel for how important you think it is to Damon Evans that he, quote-unquote, wins the hire versus just finding the right coach. Because, you know, I was talking with some buddies over the week, and they're like, you know, what what Arizona did with Tommy Lloyd is so smart. Like, you go get that guy. Why not go get George Halkovich from Villanova, the guy that clearly knows how to build a program because of what they've done yeah. there, and figure it out. Do you have a sense for the importance of nailing the hire and everybody being happy the morning after the hire versus, no, we'd be willing to find a coach that maybe people are – you know, not as in love with or not as excited about or they don't think quite as, as sexy as long as we get the guy that we think can win here for five to ten years. 
Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not in on his all his conversations or anything like that, but I think that, I don't think winning the press conference is much of a concern at all for him, clearly. The way they've gone about it, you know, not being interested from what I've gathered in anyone who has any sort of baggage eliminates a lot of those top names, took Patino out. You know, it would have probably taken Bruce Pearl out even if they had a chance at him, which they didn't, obviously. Um, so, and he's, you know, he said as much in interviews that he can't get too worried about making the splashy hire for fans. He's just got to hire whoever he thinks is going to win. So, I don't think the press conference is. I'm sure he'd love to have that if he if he could, but those guys who are going to win the press conference tend to either come with high high um, price tags or baggage or both if they're already proven enough to make that kind of splash. Um, you know, there's a few others, obviously, but for the most part, I don't think he's too concerned about that. You, I know, have sort of zeroed in on, on a front runner in the last week. Is that something that we can mm-hmm. talk about or is that something you still yeah, want? Yeah, sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I bring it up because I, I said all along, like from day one, I thought that the group of Enfield and Ed Cooley and um, Kevin Willard from Seton Hall was the most practical, you know, top three targets for this job. The three guys that I looked at and said – are these are these guys you could get to come to Maryland and would they be good hires and so they fit both of those things and I thought they were the three most practical. We know Enfield's off the list. I am more and more convinced, Jeff, that Ed Cooley ain't leaving Providence. The more people I talk mm-hmm. to that understand him and his relationship up there and are they really deserving of a four seed? Probably not, but like, you know, my God, what a job he's done. He is beloved despite the fact that he has won one NCAA tournament game in yeah. his life. I am I am more and more convinced he is just not leaving that job for anywhere at this point. It's... Yeah, I think you're right. You know, it wouldn't completely shock me, but I think it's highly unlikely he'll get a new deal there. You know, he's a hometown guy. He's from Providence. Everybody loves him, like you said. So coaches value security more than ever, and he's got you know a new deal coming. All the security in the world you could ask for. So, and I think they'll they'll pay him pretty well you know, even comparable to what Maryland would. So, uh, yeah, and it's funny. People love him, and I do think he's a good coach, but I don't know if you, you know, after Mark Turgeon, when right. the complaint was that you weren't making those March runs, hire a guy who's really never done anything at all in well, March. that brings us back to the other one, though, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. brings us back to Kevin Willard, who I know you've identified as, and, and, and you've made it very clear, like it's not like we, we know or he's definitely the guy or anything like that, but he's the most reasonable person to identify as yeah. a front runner at this point. And based on the math, the, the three guys that I started with, I 100% agree with you that if you made me bet who's most likely right now, I'd say it's Kevin Willard. But, you know, we, we got to identify the fact that he's also won one NCAA tournament yep. game, and it's less of a certainty that he's going to win another one here this week than maybe it is for even an Egg Cooley. I was interested. You ran a poll, and I know you certainly your audience is sort of the ardent, hardcore Maryland fans, and it didn't seem like there was all that much excitement about Kevin Wheeler, which might just speak to like this is the problem with fans. There's nobody they're actually going to be excited about until you know, I, I, unless it was going to be Rick Patino or Bruce Pearl, right? Like it just that yeah. just might be the nature of it. But this to me still seems like it's always been the most likely or the most practical potential hire. And yet, I do think there would be a few people that would respond and say, tell me exactly how he's not Mark Turgeon Part 2. Yeah, he has been the most practical. I think 
couple of days after the, or shortly after Mark Turgeon left, I did a hot board and I had him as the favorite. And usually you would think it would have changed a hundred times by now, but he's been the one consistent while other guys have gotten extensions or whatever else has happened to kind of take them off the board. The question, you know, I do think he's a good coach. He's done good things. The question is, and, and Seton Hall is a tough job. How much does, you know, boosting his, his resources and branding and everything else from Seton Hall to Maryland, does that have an equivalent effect on his results? You know, he's, he clearly gets his guys to play hard. He doesn't recruit at a blue chip level, but he's gotten some good recruits and developed them. But, you know, I've talked to some industry people and people who've worked for him and things like that. And they, you know, they feel very confident that, you know, he's not Mark Turgeon 2.0. His personality is a lot more different. He'll be more fiery and more engaging with boosters, and they think he'll recruit well. But, yeah, I mean, and I think you do have to somewhat take those first few years at Seton Hall off sure. of his record right. just because Bobby Gonzalez had really struggled. The program was, you know, pretty in pretty poor shape, but it is a very valid question. You know, he Maryland fans, the reason one of the biggest reason they, they wanted Turgeon out is because of March and Willard hasn't proven himself in March. So, you know, unless you find somebody, unless Damon Evans pulls somebody out of a hat that we don't know about, it's going to be somebody with, with that question or some, some other sort of similar glaring question. And I, I guess I'll let let's wrap up the conversation by coming back to Mike Bray because there, it's been it's been so loud in the last week all of the Mike Bray conversation and it's funny because like a month ago I remember having this conversation with Patrick Stevens where I was like I, I guess this season is enough proof that like he should be back on the radar and that things just haven't fallen apart at Notre Dame but do I, do I know that versus this being a really down year for the ACC in which you know you can sort of stockpile some wins. It is a weird spot to me because, like, five years ago, if Maryland had hired Mike Bray, I think the fan base would have been, you know, throwing high fives, high fives. And I don't know if it's – there's still a part of me that thinks this might really be about as good as you can do if if you're the University of Maryland and hiring a coach is coming away with Mike Bray and accepting he's clearly not going to be here for 15 to 20 years. But, you know, have him for as long as you can – have every reason to believe that he can recruit the area and desperately wants to be here as a chip on his shoulder, you know, has some, some skin in the game as some folks I've talked to. I, I, I don't know. I can't sell myself on it being a bad scenario if it ends up being Mike Bray. Yeah, I think those few things are true. He would recruit the area pretty well. Uh, he has a lot of local relationships. He does desperately want to be there. So you would think that would help motivationally, but 62, his results have tailed off. Like you said, we don't know if this year is just a result of the ACC being pretty bad. So to me, you know, he has a chance to be a solid hire. But you, I think overall with the fans, you're going to get a heavy tidal wave of uh, negativity and disappointment, quite honestly, if he were to be the hire. That's not to say he couldn't do the job. He could, but uh, it feels like a hire that would have made more sense when they hired Turgeon 10 years ago. I, I, yeah, clearly, clearly the case, clearly the case. All right, Jeff Ehrman, uh, I imagine there's going to be more daily, twice daily, three times daily updates coming over the course of the next week at InsideMDSports.com. Yeah, I hope so. I hope the information keeps coming in. If it doesn't, you know, we'll just make it up. 
what we do. That's what you. you know, we'll or, or, I mean, or you and I can fight again on Twitter about. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The I mean, it's been a long search, so right. you know, every day I'm like, oh man, I hope I get something today to write about. Right. You know, give me, so, give me anything at all. Yeah, this has give been a very unusual situation, but weird, uh, we should find out soon enough. All right, sir. Uh, at Jeff underscore Ehrman on Twitter, of course, is how you follow him. InsideNBSports.com. If you're a Maryland fan and you are not a member, you are making a a terrible mistake, as Jeff knows. I have paid my own American dollars to uh, be a subscriber at Inside MD Sports. Jeff, always appreciate you, my friend. Let's do it again soon, all right? Sounds good. Thanks, bud. Jeff Ehrman checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking the time for us. Um, hey, we are running a bracket. We can uh, go right to Jeremy. We are running a bracket contest, and we are doing it like we do everything here. We're doing it for charity reasons, the same way that we do... Our bull pickums, the same way that we do our, um, you know, our, our annual events for helping up, and and we do raffles. We're doing a charity thing, so I need to get fifty people, and we don't have a lot of time. This isn't like when we do these other things, and I got weeks. We have no time. Fifty people need to get into this, and I think so far, you know, we're getting there. I think maybe we have fifteen people so far in ours. A few of you have told me you're in who have not paid yet. We don't play around gotta pay because this is for charity the way it works $20 buy-in $500 to the winner $250 to whoever finishes in second and then the other $250 we're rounding off and we're shipping it over to our friends that show your soft side for all the incredible work that they do so $500 for the winner $250 for second place and 250 is going to show your soft side. So not only do you have a shot at winning some money, but no matter what, you're going to be doing something good for animals in our community. Project Runaway is coming up again with the, the folks that you show your soft side. I'm going to have more details about how we're involved with that here coming soon. But I love that group. I love everything that they do. And I need you to help us get to that $250 mark. And again, you got the shot to win up to 500 bucks in our bracket contest message me one of two ways, at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter or glennclarkradio at gmail.com. Let me know you want in. I'll send you the details, Venmo, PayPal, Cash App. In fact, if you just want to do it, you want to go ahead and send the money, all I need then at that, yet that point is your email address in order to send you the link. So I want you to get in to our bracket contest. Cash App is dollar sign Glenn Clark Radio. Venmo is at Glenn-Clark and PayPal, Glenn Clark 180 for you to get in. 20 bucks, $500 to the winner, 250 to second place, and 250 will go to show your soft side. It's Monday. Every Monday, we chat with our buddy Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, The Big Bad Morning Show. Picks every day, pressboxonline.com. What's going on, dude? Not much. I was just curious. We've been friends for a long time. Have I ever showed you my soft side? I would like to. I, you know what? Actually, I think yeah. I, I think I saw it. <laughs> I think uh, on that slip and slide last summer, I did end up seeing. Oh, I think yeah. I think I, I did see out. your soft side. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, dude? How are you? Are way, my face isn't the only thing that has a beard. Um, <laughs> no, so, I'm good, man. I was I was telling a story on uh, about Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday were two of the worst days I've had betting. Yeah, Saturday and, was not good. I know because I got back on the train. Oh my God! It was. Uh, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And if you're following the games, I don't know how many half-point and one-point losses I can take or how many teams can just fade down the stretch, like, randomly. I had teams scoring – I had an over where they scored a 
what was it? It was two. They scored 135 points combined in the first half, and I needed 102 in the second half, and they never got there. They they fell like three points short, and I'm going, how does this even happen? You know, just weird things. And and it, look, it happens all the time. But uh, yesterday was much better. But uh, but still, I think March Madness. I think this Thursday and Friday are going to be amazing. Oh, I mean, this is like, look, I, you know, every year we say something like, well, man, I'm not really not as into college basketball as I was last year. And the one and dones have changed things for me. And man, I don't know these players quite as well. And, you know, Maryland's not in it. And then we get to the actual Thursday and Friday again. And we're, you know, sitting around with our pants off and just happy to be alive. Right. Like it just it yeah. never changes the greatness of these first couple of days of the NCAA tournament. It's, no, I mean, I'm looking really forward to, like, go look. And I tell people to do this every time. I, I think I write an article for Press Box just talking about it. When you break down March Madness, you should always look at the point spreads. Like, we have situations where we have, you know, 13 and 12 seeds that are uh, favored in the game, which is kind of crazy. So um, there's a lot of those games. And, and the thing I would say is don't fall in love with the middle-of-the-pack power five schools that you know, like the Michigans, which I think they lose to Colorado State. Um, I mean, there's a handful of them out there where you could look at it and say, oh, yeah, this team's going to beat that team because you're, you're not used to hearing that Colorado State's good or, right. um, you know, or uh, I'm just uh, like people love Creighton for some reason and they're not a very good team. They just made a run in their tournament. I just I, I think there is a lot of mispriced uh, teams out there and I still think people are going to chase it uh, with the teams that they know instead of the teams that they don't. But just do a little bit of research, look at the pricing and. Um, see what the point spreads are. I agree with all those things. I I am definitely guilty of falling in love. Like right now, I am in love with both Villanova and UCLA as Final Four bets because they were both mm-hmm. sitting at like I was actually down at the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel this weekend. They were both sitting at five and a half to one for the Final Four, and I'm like, man, these are veteran Ooh. teams. This is Johnny Jazang, who we all know is a different dude in March than he is any other time. This is Colin Gillespie, the steadiest point guard in all of basketball. I can get both of them sitting at five and a half to one. I don't even need to see the bracket. I want to put those bets in. And the problem By is, the way, I want to punch Connor Gillespie in the face, or as most people know him as Ryan Archidiakono. <laughs> you're 100% guy. about that. That is 100% the same guy. He missed a layup that would have covered the spread for me at the end of the game. <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> that son of a bitch. Yeah, but still, anyway, I'm still mad you, you know how this goes, right? In the NCAA tournament, you want to have incredibly steady point guard play. You want to be able to trust the guy because a lot of these games will come down to late-game situations where you know, you, you want to well, trust the guy with the ball in his hands. Yeah, you need you need players that have the ball in their hands. That's why you look for strong backcourts. And you know, I was talking to somebody about Tennessee today because they have two freshmen in their backcourt. And I even brought it up and said, hey, at this point of the season, they're not freshmen anymore, right? These, these guys are battle-tested. They've played all these games at Division One tough places to play now the pressure's on and they haven't made mistakes uh you know i was talking about gonzaga they don't turn the ball over so you really have to you, you almost have to have a big that can finish around the hoop try to dominate in there and on the flip side you need him to alter shots on the defensive end um and and not get in foul trouble i think you're asking a lot of teams uh with the talent that gonzaga has to to kind of slow them down but there's I mean, there's 10 to 12, maybe even more teams that I really think have a shot to win it all. But I, I do think Gonzaga is the best. So I, I don't doubt that Gonzaga is the best. I don't doubt that whatsoever. It's just no fun, right, from a betting standpoint because there's not really any money to be yeah. made betting on Gonzaga. So that's the reason why I'm throwing myself at, like, I'm falling in love with Villanova to the point that I actually don't love the fact that Villanova ended up in Arizona's, like, region. I don't love that at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm still talking myself into figuring out a way that Villanova is going to get through because I've just decided I'm in love with them. That doesn't nothing matters any longer. 
I'm a puppy dog. This is like when I saw uh, uh, that girl Kristen from Falston the first time when I was 15 years old. Literally does not matter if I find out that she's murdered someone. I'm in love. This is the way that it goes. You can't convince me otherwise. I'm throwing myself at Villanova. There's just no way Kristen that I'm going to get around. Kristen wasn't a roundaway girl, right? I know her. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's just I, I have a problem with this. I, I fall in love with basketball teams, and I've fallen in love with Villanova. And UCLA to a lesser extent, the two of them that I've fallen in love with. Yeah. And I got a funny – I know you're right about Gonzaga, but trying to make some money up there, I am I am feeling Arkansas at the moment. I am and, – and, and, of so, course, so knowing Arkansas me, they end, up, they, end up losing, they end up losing to Vermont in round one because I'm feeling them. Well, yeah, I mean, Arkansas is fun. They press the whole time. It's at 40 minutes of hell. And, um, you know, they're – Tennessee does it quite a bit too, but the one thing I – that gets me with Gonzaga is if you're going to press them, I think you're going to get beat more times than not because they, they, they just don't, they don't, it's uncharacteristic and, and things, weird things happen in March Madness, but it's uncharacteristic of them to have, you know, that like a lot of turnovers that are really going to decide the game. They're a team that just really takes care of the ball. And I think that's a, that's a huge plus obviously for them. They're already good enough to beat you with their talent, but then they're not going to give you extra opportunities. So, uh, it's a tough spot. All right. He's Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, the Big Bag Morning Show. And you can also, of course, see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Um, do you? Is there anything in particular? Like, this is a weird – it's such a weird week for, like, free agency to beginning in the, the NFL because we've already had so many mm-hmm. crazy things unfold over the course of the last week that you're almost like, at this point, what the hell could compare? I mean, Tom Brady and Russell Wilson, all of these things. Is there anything in particular that you think the Ravens should do or will do as free agency gets underway? I think they, well, I mean, I'd love to see them add another pass rusher personally. Um, uh, but, you know, it, it, I don't think it's like a necessity that they have to go that route and find it in free agency. Um, and then I know everybody's looking at the offensive line, Tyron Matthew, possibly at safety, Bobby Wagner, all the big names keep getting brought up. But the thing that would behoove the Ravens is figuring out you know, if they if Lamar's ghosting them, it's one thing. But if you got that contract done, would be great. And then you know, I've heard plenty of people talking about restructuring deals. Whether you work out an extension with Tucker, whether right. you um, you know you go and you try to rework Marlon Humphrey or uh, Zeitler. There, I mean, there's a bunch of things you can do to help yourself out. I saw somebody post like, "Hey, cut this guy, cut this guy, cut." And I'm like, you keep cutting all these people that are inexpensive, and you save nine hundred thousand dollars. Wouldn't you rather have that guy as a depth piece? for under a million bucks, of course. Like, it doesn't make sense to cut some of these guys. So as far as free agency goes, you know what they do. I mean, they unless they have a ton of money to spend, which they don't right now, they, they're usually waiting for the dented cans yep. at, at the grocery store and finding value. They like to sign guys that are un, um, you know street-free agents where they don't lose anything in compensation uh, from their comp picks. So uh, we'll see. I, you know, I, I don't think there's a necessity out there. Would I love to see Tyron Matthew come here or Bobby Wagner? Sure, because I still think they're really good players and can add something. And this team's getting healthy. So um, I, I don't think there's a necessity for me on the free agency market. And by the way, the, the, I'm waiting for this last big domino to drop, which I think is the game changer, is where Deshaun Watson ends up. So, you know, you're right. It's it's significant. At the same time, like, there are, there are so many teams that don't have quarterbacks. Jeremy, I, I, I wrote about this last week, and I'll continue to say it. Even with Tom Brady back, and even now that we are assuming Deshaun Watson is going to end up somewhere, there are still six or seven teams that don't have a qualified NFL quarterback on their roster. Mm-hmm. Now, some of them, you know, don't they have to stick with the guy that they've got. Like in Chicago, they're going to have to let Justin Fields be the quarterback, right? Like they can't, they can't make a move. New York. Well, could they trade Justin Fields for a Watson? 
they could. They could. I'm talking about it in context of like the Lamar thing. Seems is still so weird oh, to okay. me, right? Like in in yeah. this context where I've said, if if the problem on Lamar's end is the Ravens, right? Like if the problem is, I'll I'll respond to you, but I'm gonna respond to you when you put up a number that's real, right? Not a thirty five million dollar number. I ain't signing for that, you know, like. Mm-hmm. You want me to respond, but what is there to respond to? You threw out thirty-five million bucks. Aaron Rodgers just signed for fifty. What are we doing here? So if that's the problem, and the Ravens really are doing the bit where they're like, "Well, you know, we just don't, we just don't know yet. We'd like to see you bounce back from your struggles against the Blitz before we talk about fifty million dollars." If I'm Lamar, I say, "Cool, trade me," because I'm looking around. Yeah. And I'm and I'm seeing how desperate all of these teams are. The Vikings just gave thirty-five million bucks to Kirk Cousins. Like, mm-hmm. th- there is still a desperate quarterback market out there. And there are still plenty of teams that would say, look at who we're going to have to play. I even forgot when we were doing the list earlier, I didn't even put Pittsburgh on the list. They don't have anybody. They have nothing. They don't have a quarterback. Yeah. New Orleans. They've got a, a bunch of could-bes. You know, it's like Mason Rudolph right. and, and Haskins. And, um, you know, the, the Jimmy G rumors have been there. And are, that's the other thing. That's why I brought up Deshaun Watson is that, ironically, I know there's a couple of teams that he was linked to today to go visit New Orleans being one, what Carolina, Seattle's name got brought up. But I've also heard Cleveland and Pittsburgh's name brought up with him. And it's an absolute game changer when you look at the division because wherever Watson goes, I mean, they, they automatically become, uh, you know, a, a contender to win that division because unless he just goes to a team that has no talent that's totally devoid, but he's already on that team. That's Houston. Yep. So once he gets off of that team, I think wherever he goes, they become playoff contenders immediately. Uh, you're probably right about that. You're, I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. that's the reality of the circumstance. I just I keep coming back to if I'm Lamar Jackson, like I this when we keep having these conversations about him just waiting it out, just waiting it. Why 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 would he want to wait? Somebody should be willing to pay him a boatload of money right now because there are way too many teams that don't have a quarterback. And if it ain't the Baltimore Ravens, if they are dragging their feet about the, if that really is what the problem is here, is they want to drag their feet about fifty million bucks and say, "Come on, man, we don't really think fifty million. You know, that's that's more than Josh Allen. That's more than 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 Patrick Mahomes. Somebody's yeah. willing to pay it because there is there are not enough quarterbacks in the NFL to go around. There are way too many teams that have no clue and are going to be throwing themselves at Desmond Ritter or or Matt Coral in the NFL draft because they just got nothing at this point. Like I, everybody's making fun of the, of Washington over Carson Wentz and I get it, but like what is their other option if you're Washington? Like, somebody's got to play quarterback next year. There I aren't mean, enough guys. If I was Washington, I would have waited on Watson. Like, I, I don't know that there's much difference. And, and look, I, I liked Carson Wentz going to Indy, but there's so many things when you look at that. Like, um, Frank Reich, who they all said they'd pair him up with, and he was fine with getting rid of him. Like, Indy's a playoff contender, a possible playoff team. Their roster's built that way. And then they said, we don't need this quarterback. We'd rather go into the offseason without one. Um, you know, I think Deshaun Watson and I get Andy it. would be a perfect landing spot, but it'll never happen because they won't trade him within the division. Right. Right. Yeah. There's no there's no chance they would do it. But yeah, that's a good point. It would be, you know, obviously that that roster and him at quarterback, holy hell. My God, that yeah. would be a nightmare for everybody else. All right. Um, enough. Enough. Oh, you know, I, I guess you and I talked about the baseball thing last week. Are you at this point convinced that Adley Rutschman is going to be on the opening day roster now? So I heard um, a couple of things, and, and again, you know, like depending on the sources you got, but that at Camden Yards they're hanging up all types of Adley Rutschman posters and you know signage all over the place. 
my like who does that with a minor league player before he's been called up? So my assumption is that he's he's got to be on that opening day roster. Like okay. that's what I believe. I'm not reporting that that's happening, but right. you know, like um, I, I've heard various things, and there was someone that told me specifically, like, hey, I'm telling you, they're hanging up pictures of him all over Camden Yards. So my assumption is that he's the opening day guy. I see. This is the weird part to me. I still wouldn't play him on opening day, just from a business standpoint. Like I get why we'd want it. Why not just run Chirinos out there on opening day and create another audience for the next night when there's going to be three thousand people in the ballpark? Like, why? Why I think would if you don't play him then? You piss everyone off there. But everybody's <laughs> going to opening day anyway, right? Like, yeah. come on, everybody's going. My God, you've already got that. You wait one night and you have Adley Rutschman play, then you can get ten thousand more people to come to a baseball game that wouldn't have come anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I just think that should be a, a draw, like a sticking point for them, and, and, a, and a draw, of course. Like Grayson Rodriguez, I think further down the line. Right. But you know, if the Carlos Correa thing, I haven't seen anything come across the wire, but we've seen other teams that he's been linked to sign shortstops, and it makes you wonder, like, what's going on? I heard the thing with Houston today where he could sign like a five-year deal or six-year deal with them, but there'd be an opt-out at the end of the first year right. where he could hit free agency again. It's just then sign him to a one-year deal if that's what he wants to do. It just seems weird to me, like some of the. Um, the contract talks that have gone on, and like even Nelson Cruz signing with the Nats, I'm going. Yeah, why? Like, I right. It. I don't know how much longer he has, but why? Like there were rumors that he was talking to the Dodgers and another playoff contender. Why wouldn't you want to go where there's? I don't want to say a short. There's no sure thing, but I'm saying as sure of a thing you can have to being in the postseason. That would be the Dodgers. And I heard the sure. argument was like, you know, now come hit behind Juan Soto, put up some crazy numbers, and let us deal you to a real team in July, and like you know. Possibility, yeah, too, yeah, sure. I mean, look, all of it's possible, but then you're not picking where you go, right? So correct. They find, unless they they give you the, you know, the luxury of having some sort of uh, you know no trade clause in there, and you can pick which team you want to go to. But that's not a benefit to the team. Then I I don't know. It just it just seemed a little odd to me that he picked that team. And I'm not saying like the Nats have no shot, but the Nats have no shot. So, all right, I want to run this by you. That. This was I got into good debate about this over the weekend. I am not above uh, visiting a chain establishment. I think everybody knows the affinity that I have for uh, Chick-fil-A. I am uh, chain establishments, not all of them, but some of them are quite fine. Chain concepts sometimes, no matter what, always work. And there are two chain concepts that I believe are the most consistent of any chain concept that exists. And you'll understand when I roll the two out. So the debate that I got into was which is more consistent, which delivers more frequently as far as chain concepts. Is it the chain piano bar or is it the chain Japanese steakhouse? Which delivers more consistently? For me, it's always the Japanese steakhouse. They never miss. They never miss. 100%. I don't think I've ever, unless I miss at shrimp baseball and I leave feeling defeated, like the guy on uh, Love is Blind who basically ruined the marriage he was going to have. I can't even believe I'm... I, I, I've never watched Love is Blind. This is... You're blo- what, what, what is going on here? Don't. No, so one day I'm, I was going to take a nap at home and I flipped on trash TV. I just said, all right, put Love is Blind on so I have some background noise. I always go to sleep to the TV. And I usually put on things I've either seen or don't want to watch. So that way I'm sitting there as I'm fading, I'll, I'll fall asleep. So I put on Love is Blind and my dumbass got hooked. <laughs> and then I had to find out how it finished. Oh, I kept no. watching and watching, and I hate everyone on the show. Every single person, except for one. I hated all of them. So, <laughs> uh, but there was one guy that they went to Wrigley Field. His name's Shane. They, they went to Wrigley Field, and they had batting practice there. And he was talking about being a baseball player, and he didn't get a single hit. 
and he got drunk. And when he came home after his bachelor party, he got in a fight with his fiance and said, I don't want to marry you. This is ruined. So then they show up on the wedding day and then I'm not going to ruin it for anybody. Right. Well, I, mean, I assure you, I'm not going to be spending any time with it, Jeremy. I I, promise. I'm telling everyone out there, do not watch this show. It is awful. It's trash TV. I mean, you can get sucked in really easily, but it's it's just bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't believe you spent time with Love is Blind. But that being said, back yeah. to the Japanese steakhouse. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, if I miss a shrimp baseball, I get upset. But, like, anyway, like even if you just want to talk about the simple going to the mall hibachi like the like uh, yummy I, yummy, you know. Like, okay, I you're right, but I have definitely that has turned into diarrhea before in my life. Those places oh, that those places can miss. To me, the Japanese steakhouse never misses. It's it's unreal. No matter what the scenario is, they never miss. I've never had a, a single negative experience. From that place too? Nope, I, I get don't. Diarrhea from everywhere. Do well, okay, well that's a, you have a different problem. Yeah, <laughs> you have, if I'm peeing out the rear end, does that mean I have problems? Or I <laughs> yeah, you might you might want to go see a doctor or something. Oh. But I stand okay. by the piano bar is always. A lot of people are bringing up like. Well, you could go to a piano bar on a Tuesday night and nobody would be there and it would be the same experience. The chain piano bars are not open on Tuesday nights. I'm talking about yeah. the big chains that are only open in big urban areas on big nights where there's going to be massive crowds and you go in every time and you know they're going to play the same damn 10 songs. They're going to play yeah. Sweet Caroline and everybody's going to get up and hold hands and sing along and it's going to be a magical moment despite the fact that you make fun of the song all the time because the Red Sox sing it. Like, well, it, it never know, changes. To your point, there, there's a great one in New Orleans, and I think some well, people go to it. It's the best bar in America. It, but, but yeah, but when you're when you're in New Orleans, yeah, that, that place is awesome. It's, but you know, you got like what is it, uh, Cat's Pajamas or whatever the hell that place is called, Meow Mix. I don't know the the <laughs> karaoke bar that everyone goes to down there. Oh yeah, right, then, a little bit further down the street. Yeah, I know the place you're talking yeah. about. So there's like there's something for everyone. Like they have a tiki bar in New Orleans that you wouldn't even think of, and it's amazing. So. Yep. Um, but the piano bar—that's that's a great one. That's a great pull that I think a lot of people don't think of. But you get in there, and then even when you don't feel like going out, and you hear somebody playing music, and you start singing along. It's easy to have a good time. And then they bring you a, a, a bucket of booze over, and all yep. of a sudden you're like, "What the hell happened to my night? This was just going to be where we we're going to hang out for an hour before we went somewhere else." And then you're there until one in the morning because you just sang along, and then at some point one of your buddies got up and played on the drums and for whatever reason, why did I why did I pay a hundred dollars to let my buddy play the drums I've seen him play the drums a billion times before why did I and, care about this and by the way like my favorite thing to get drunk off of is hot sake so uh, even oh, cold goes, sake for that now matter. you're going back to the Japanese steakhouse time we drink Oh, you, you just pound sake. Oh god, a nightmare. Oh, that's a really bad idea, dude. I would we love do it. We should though. <laughs> I want to do a show dinner at the Japanese steakhouse though. It's just the Let's best time you ever have. I took the the reason it came up is I took the kids for the first time. On Saturday, we I I worked a game. Oh no, my games got canceled on Saturday because of the snow. So we had nothing to do. I took the kids out. We, you know, I think we went, uh, we went, we went to the trampoline park, and then we were gonna go to dinner. And I was like, I bet they'd have a great time, right? Like they'd never been. I bet they would while out seeing all the same stuff for the first time, seeing the, the do with the volcano bit, the whole every yep. single layer of it. And they were losing their minds, right? Like they were losing their minds. It was the coolest experience they ever had in their life. And it's just the the crap Japanese steakhouse in a strip mall you know like it's the same there's nothing special about it in any way except it's always special it's delicious. always god it's always good it's always good man i love that oh hey speaking of shows to not spend any time with did you watch inventing anna no my wife don't 
I don't okay. stay the f away. It, it's the, it starts the accent. You think it can't get worse than the accent because the accent is god awful, and somehow it gets way worse. And you know well, me. They were saying, I can't they were saying bail. The original person it's done after Glenn that that she has a really weird accent from what moving all over the world that right kind of picked up a different sound, but and that's what the girl was trying to get down. But as soon as she started talking, I told my wife, I said, I can't do it. Oh, she might have done, it might be an incredible acting job. She might have nailed a horrible accent, but it's unlistenable. Like, you hear it, and you just want to vomit. It's so gross how bad her accent is. Um, But again, it's not even, it doesn't even end up being a top three problem as the show goes on. It is atrocious. Do you have something now, like, so I always get into these fits where I'm trying to figure out what shows I want to watch. Like, right now, I'm knee-deep into, and I'm not all the way caught up, but Snowfall, which I love. I okay, it's a great show. I I watched um, season one and I have not caught up since season one. So I it's great. I loved it's, it. It's I just really haven't. Really good. I got to go back. I got to go back and spend more time. Uh, winning time on HBO. It's amazing. It's a ten and yeah. a half. It is so much I, fun. I I like the premise to begin with, and I love Jeff Perlman. He's an unbelievable author, and I I know I read the book at some point. The show is even better than that. It ain't gemstones, but it's it's good enough that it has helped fill the void for me. It's that good. good. And I'm fin- as much as I hate it, I'm finishing up The Walking Dead. I'm just I was so like I, I, I read all the comic books and I hate the show and where it's at now. And each each show disappoints me more and more. But I'm so, I'm going to finish this damn thing. I swear. I have no uh, idea. And then I like I got to catch up on Righteous Gemstones. I, I was into this season early on and then got caught up with basketball and haven't got back in. But I'll power watch. Yeah, that's day. the that's the best show on TV. I mean that that is the absolute top dog of all television at the moment. Is righteous gemstones. It. This season of uh, were, are you a, a Mrs. Maisel fan at all? I do, but I got that's another one where I watched the first season and never got back into. Yeah, this is a weird season where like it, it's just sort of plodding along, and they're not like I'm only I think I'm into like episode five at this point, and I'm like waiting for something to happen. And I get that's not the point of the show. The point of the show is the the delivery and the the throwback comedy that they give you and it's it's tremendous it continues to be really good i just keep waiting for something big to happen this season and we haven't gotten there yet so that's the only yeah. issue i've had with it all well, right i mean there's, are, are there shows for you like i'm curious what like is there something that you're into now that you don't like you love waiting for each week and watching it when it comes on um i mean that it was gemstones i mean it really was gemstones okay. to me was the show like the show of shows i i i can't believe how perfect that television program is i it's it's unreal, and people are like, well, they really they kind of cleaned things up this season. I'm like, nope, nope, they didn't. There is way more. There are six things that I found during the season that I'm ready to, for them to go back to next year. Like, I am in love with that show. So that was the biggest one for me. I am willing to embrace Winning Time as being that show moving forward that I'm just genuinely looking forward to every week. And I do still try to watch Maisel every Friday when it comes out. Like, I attempt to because I, I think it's that good. It's not – it's clearly it's not a show for me. But it's that good of a show that I try to watch it every week when it comes out. Short of that, I don't know. Oh, God. I, 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 I'm so mad at myself for how much time I spent with Inventing Anna. I'm so mad at myself. It's, it's, so well, it's funny. Like it's so I, bad. I, I, My wife brings it up to me because I still watch things that I know I'm not going to like. Right. Like, we were, like uh, I hate the Fast and Furious franchise like with a passion. Just hate it. Um, and then so the last like Fast and Furious is out on HBO, and I'm sitting there, and I say, you know what? I, I'm going to be going to bed. It's trash TV. Let me just watch it. It'll keep me entertained with some of the goofy stuff. And then my wife starts laughing at me at the things I point out. I was like, well, that's impossible. They would never do like, like, that's ridiculous. Who would? And she's like, you're taught. They shot a guy into space for crying out loud. Right. Like, it's like, what is this? What, what are we talking about here? Like we saw 
uh, Vin Diesel drive his car off the uh, off of a cliff <laughs> and then catch it on a cord and right. swing to the other side, like that. Like he knew magically driving off that that cord was going to catch the bottom and that he'd be able to unhook. On yeah, it'd be just and fine. It just drives me nuts. And then she was. I forget what we were watching this week, and I was pointing out, making fun of one of these shows. Oh, it was the the new Adam Project. It's fun. It's entertaining. If you haven't this watched is, it, this the is the Ryan was, Reynolds thing, watched right? It last night. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I liked it. It's it, like it's just like Free Guy. They're all enjoyable. But I was saying something to my wife, and I'm pointing out something. They're driving through the woods, and I'm like, that's ridiculous. They're, they would hit a tree eventually. There's no way. Like they turn off and go. She's that like, was the most ridiculous. They're coming scene. from the future, and you're talking about but them driving in the woods. Some of that, some of that is okay in comedies, right? Like there were yeah. a lot of people that pointed out. I don't want to give you anything away about. Have you gotten to the cycle ninjas at all in Righteous Gemstones? No. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll leave it alone. You're ruin something but for it, me. it's a comedy, right? So like, it works <laughs> when it's in a comedy. The problem, I tell you, one that's a weird one for me, Jeremy, that like bugs me, is when someone is supposed to be a hero or brilliant or whatever, and they only get out of a certain situation because of luck and nothing more than that, yeah. right? Like well, that was that was the fast. If you're at one point, Vin Diesel's driving a car next to John Cena, and there's two helicopters chasing him, shooting missiles at him. Maybe I'm getting my movies. Maybe this was Adam Project. But yeah, right. they're shooting missiles at him, and they miss. At, like these are these are supposed to be trained assassins. They miss. At, they shot thirty missiles, and not one of them hit the car. I'm going. First off, where did they load this many missiles onto a helicopter? And how do they keep missing? This is incredible. Like everyone going off next to him, three feet to the right. I got news to you, guy. Go three feet to the left, and you'll hit your target. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I can live. I can live with like there being gunfire and somehow you miss. Like I can somehow. I can live with that. It's when clearly the only reason why you survived a certain situation is because you know, like a a tree fell or something like like mm-hmm. pure dumb luck that kind of proves you're not worthy of the attention we're giving you. You're not that great. You just got lucky. That's it. Like, that's the problem that I have. And I wish I could think of a great example of this. I can't off the top of my head. But it, it happens to me all the time when I'm watching, like, even a superhero movie. I'm like, no, no, they, they, they just got lucky and nothing else. They're not worthy of it. <laughs> that's what happens, man. It's, it is a, it's real crazy. I, like, I, I love movies. And I think the one that really got me when, I went to the movies and I saw the last Indiana Jones and it was about aliens. Oh, yeah, going, I mean, I'm done. This is yeah, that was, that was, stop. They opened up a tomb and a guy's face melted. They drank from a cup. Right. <laughs> this like, is, and this what, is too far for you? That? All right, that is yeah. fair. That is fair. <laughs> I was the same way too, man. Like, I, and I'm not like the biggest Indiana Jones, but of course I, you know, like any other human being, I loved Indiana Jones. And the last one I just was so angry at. And my wife's so, like, it was good. I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was absurd. <laughs> I get in that all the time. There, hey, one last thing for you, because I posted something on Facebook, and I know it's been out now. That like, and I know you're a big wrestling guy, but I was like one of the biggest. Oh, Scott fans. Hall, man. Oh. my favorite wrestler of all time, Scott Hall. Is, like, oh. incredibly sad what he's going through right now. And uh, I saw Kevin Nash's post, and I retweeted it, and I thought it was really heartfelt. Um, but it does kind of suck that the guy finally got back on track, got his life together, and then now a freak incident during surgery. Uh, it's going to cause him to lose his life. Dude, it sucks. Um, uh, AJ shared a story. He he came on jobbing out once, and we were all so excited about it. Like, we worked I – did, I did not know. Scott Hall is originally from Maryland. Did you know that? He was yeah. born in Maryland. St. Mary's County, right? Yep. And so he was coming back to do something, and I just – I threw out a Hail Mary, and I managed to get him. And he was like, I'll call in. And he said, like, I'll do, I got time. I can do 30 minutes with you. 
And five minutes in, I swear to God, Scott Hall said, fellas, I got to go get my hair lied or fried, dyed, and laid to the side. And we were, we we're all laughing, and then he just hung up. Like, he just hung up. <laughs> five minutes into the conversation, we we're all looking at each other like, what the F? And then we That's realized great. it was our favorite moment in the history of doing the show because it was so cool. <laughs> like, well, and I had one with Jake the Snake. We had him in studio, and he put me in the DDT for a picture. And then I'm like, all right. And he goes, I'm not letting you go until you lick my, you know. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I remember, on, yeah. I remember yeah, you yeah. telling me that, right? Yeah. But and Scott... he didn't let me go until I, no, I did. <laughs> Scott Hall was the epitome of cool man. I guess, I shouldn't say was yet because he's. I don't think he has passed yet. But yes, it does not. Well, look the thing good. that Kevin Nash wrote is that as soon as his family gets there, yep. they're going to take him off life support. It's just so. awful, awful yeah. man. The epitome. Oh God, he was so cool. Oh, just so cool. Hey, Maine, I'm the bad guy. Ah, oh, it sucks. All right, Jeremy, what's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Yeah, so I think all of us are in all week long. So we're preparing you for uh, March Madness. I, I went over a little bit, and I'll continue to do it every day just looking at the spreads and, and which direction you should look at and lean to. It doesn't, it's not a foregone conclusion, but it'll kind of give you an idea and filling out your brackets. I mean, it's baseball news all week long as it breaks and football news as well. So this will be a really crazy week um, considering it's March now. And uh, I'm, I'm just so excited. I, I just realized that Thursday is the opening day of March Madness and it's St. Patrick's Day. Oh. Jesus, there's going to be so many people oh. blacked out. There is going to be so much public urination. <laughs> like yes. you are, don't, just don't walk outside because you're probably going to get peed on at some point on Thursday. It's just the way it's going to go. Like my kind of party. Hey, man, I, uh, we were just having a conversation about it off the air a second ago. Like it is in a, it, same, There is nothing – when I think about St. Patrick's Day, literally the next thing I think about is public urination. And now yep. you add in – a day long watching the NCAA tournament, there is going to be so much public urination. I love going out for St. Patty's Day and then leaving early before it gets too. Because, you know, just weird things happen when people get unbelievably oh. drunk. Oh, it's, there's, there's nothing good that comes from it. There is nothing good. I, it's, I'm out now. Like, I'm, I, I'm over it. Like, I'm just not that guy. Yep. As I said before, your kids have grown up. I don't know what I'm going to be like when my kids grow up. Like, I'm out on it right now. And I, don't, I can't envision myself going back to that world. But, you know. Once it I once it hits your lips, guy, it tastes so good. So we had one night, my my, and I, you may have known John, John All. Oh yeah, of course. At, uh, yep, we called him Shady. So I got him into radio. I met him playing basketball when I was a kid, and John passed in a car accident. But one of my one of my favorite people to laugh at is he was out at Della Rosa's one night, and this girl was trashed, and she threw up everywhere. And I remember his words distinctly as he looked her in the eye. He said, I don't care. I accept you. And then open mouth kissed her. Oh, God. Oh, (laughs) God. One of the greatest nights of my life. And I went, holy hell, what just happened? (laughs) I can't. I can't. I can't go back. I can't go back to the way it used to be. No doubt, man. All right, buddy. Love you. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right. Sounds good, guys. Have a good one. At Jeremy Khan 1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. He is Jeremy Khan. Yeah, I, there's no day that I associate more with public urination than St. Patrick's Day. It is, and it's a, it's this is a problem that Those nobody porta pot lines are just so long. And, and this is the thing that nobody ever wants to talk about, right? Like it, it goes back to I. You are responsible for yourself, mm-hmm. but we have not done a good enough job as a society over the years understanding that like people pee. And we want people to spend money on booze. We want to support the the bar industry, but we don't want to think about the fact that people have to pee. We also don't want to think about the fact that like it, we want we want to scold everyone 
for drunk driving, and they should be. As I've said before, I, I needed to serve a penalty for doing it and learn not to do it. But we also don't meet people in the middle in any way. We don't provide as a society, hey, if you want to go out, you can leave your car here and we won't try to charge you $300 for leaving your car here because right. we don't want you drinking and driving. And I'm not trying to I make this abundantly clear. It is still your own responsibility. It is your own responsibility, period. But as a society, we should also attempt to meet things in the middle because I would prefer to have less people die and I would prefer there to be less public urination, right? Like, we don't do a good enough job of there being, to your point, like on St. Patrick's Day, I get it. The crowds are so massive that there are going to be bathroom problems. But like a lot of these places know they have a bathroom problem to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. There's an establishment that is just like, well, we got one stall. It's what we got, right? And somebody goes in there and locks the door. Sorry, you're screwed. We want you to come out. Please come out to our establishment, but your problem now. And I don't have the perfect answer for it. I know there's been a bigger conversation about there should be more public bathrooms available in city areas, right? Like in, in urban areas, we should have more public bathrooms. Um, and I, I think I kind of agree with that. Then people argue, well, that encourages more homelessness, right? Because it's easier for you to... I don't know, man. Like, I, I think we should all want there to be more public bathrooms because we all have to pee. We all experience these things. Like, this thing where we shame somebody because they have to pee, we all pee. Like, I, it's a real issue, man, that we just don't do anything about. We just sort of say it's your problem. And I get it. Like, I don't really want people to just be peeing in public. Like, I don't really love that either. But, like, if you have to pee, you have to pee. I'm not really sure what the answer is supposed to be. We, we make fun of people who go out wearing diapers on drinking days. But, like, you know, I get it. I get it. There ain't always a bathroom available to you. I get it. It's a problem. that we. It's just one of these things that we know is a problem we never address in any way as a society. To your point about them charging you 300 bucks or whatever, there was an establishment that I used to frequent on St. Patty's Day in my 20s. And they shared a parking lot with a bank, and that bank was usually just ma mainly used as a drive-through. Oh, yeah. And they waited till like ten thirty, eleven o'clock in the morning, where people have already been out drinking. Because St. Patty's Day starts at like eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Where people have already been out drinking for two, two and a half hours to send somebody out into the parking lot and start calling a tow truck to tow these spots, and then people found out about it, and you're saying, "Well, you got to move your car, or we're no, having it towed." It's, it's a money maker when they're the, when they're already drunk. In, instead of there's no, and I get it. It's not really the bank's problem. You know what I mean? Like I'm right. not. It's not their problem, but it becomes a money maker. The money, the bank does a relationship with the tow truck company. The tow truck says, "We'll give you kickback if you let us come tow cars, because we're going to make money off of it. So we'll give you some money." And so the bank says, "Now we have a chance to make some money." I get mm -hmm. it. I I, I under, get it. It's still a jerk. I move. understand it. It's that as a society we've had no thought about. Again, I, I, it is it is a person's it's an individual's responsibility, but we've also turned it into a way it's a it's a prof, drinking and driving is a profit industry, mm -hmm. and it's a problem because of that. There is no thought to hey we should actually work with this and try to solve the problem. But I feel the same way about I know I'm running these things out there without a solution, but I think the conversation needs to be had. The conversation we'll have when we come back in is tidbit and tubular as we wind down for a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I want to remind you very quickly that you need to know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. We'll wind things down for a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com PressBoxOnline. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley and I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, if you want some uh, cold water to be thrown on the Carlos Correa hopes that came this morning, Mike Elias meeting with uh, Orioles beat writers. And, you know, this this shouldn't come as a surprise, but uh, he says it's unlike. This is uh, from Rock Cabaco. Michael Elias says it's unlikely the Orioles will be in multi-year mode with free agent contracts. There's something very weird about that. Like it's almost weirder that you would sign somebody, anybody to a one-year deal. And I get it. Like you have to fill a roster at some point, but like, why spend any money at all? Why spend any money on anyone if they're not going to be a part of this moving forward? Like, what is right. the point right but, now? But like, if if you're I get it. They've already done it with Jordan Lyles, but like, but you, you need somebody in your starting rotation if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna go because we saw what happened last year. If you're gonna go into this season and not make a commitment to a shortstop or somebody, then why would you sign somebody for one year when you can just have you can make it a competition between Rios and Jorge Mateo? That's what I would do. You know, I, 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 and just see what they have. There's no there's no point to me in spending money on a one year deal. Like if right. you're gonna get, do something, do the Correa thing. Right, mm-hmm. I, the the pitching argument. Well, somebody has to pitch, right? Like that's the argument. Okay, but that can be somebody on a minor league deal. 
why would you spend money? It's I, I, they spent money on Jordan Lyles. Okay, it's not a lot, but like they did. I I would just say, what is the difference? If you're not going to be any good, what is the difference in spending money on anyone on a one-year deal and just finding the next Matt Harvey, the guy that who was it over the weekend that signed for a minor league deal? God, with I don't even remember who it was. I saw somebody that signed for a minor league deal. Well, I know there was a rumor about Danny Duffy too. Yeah. Danny Duffy would probably be still be some actual money at this point. Yeah. Like I don't know exactly what it would be. Probably like eight or nine million. I yeah, imagine. something like that. But I would almost say like, what's the point? What is the point of spending nine million dollars well, on Danny Duffy? You you look at how bad. The rotation was last year, and and I get it. If you're not going to be good, why does it matter? But at some point, you have to make baseball at least watchable. And last year was not I, like I, I, I even tuned I, out, and that's I, and that's big. And I'll come back to that. I disagree with that. I disagree. It, it, in the coming years, there will be an argument for that, right? Because there's no, there's just no benefit to you. But knowing that in this new system, you can still be in the draft lottery next year. If you're not going to be good anyway, what is the point of trying to be closer to 500? Mm-hmm. Why spend money to be five games under 500? Down the road, there's an argument for that, right? If you're not going to be in the draft lottery, then maybe one guy makes a slight difference. But right now, you're still not there. I just, I'll never understand spending well, money. Now, if you're doing something that impacts you for a few years, if you, it's, it's why this quote irks me. Spend money. Spend money on a multi-year deal because that guy might be around. There might be a trade chip for you at some point, right? Like doing the thing where we keep saying we can sign anybody. People really genuinely believe that you could turn Matt Harvey into a trade ki- a chip. That was With his n- six and a half. Was ERA. never, ever, ever happening. Well, I think the best argument you can make for why you would sign somebody is you're going to have a lot of young pitchers in your rotation mm-hmm. and in your bullpen. So if you want to sign somebody who you know can play good defense up the middle to be better for your your younger starting because pitchers, because it helps build their confidence. Yeah, that's a better argument for signing a a, a shortstop, right. right? Like I don't, I still doesn't. Why are you spending actual money on a pitcher for mm-hmm. one year? For one year, I get it. The argument is because somebody's got to pitch. You have to have somebody eat up those innings. You know, I, I, I understand that's the argument, but I'll keep coming back to that can be a guy on a minor league deal. That can be a minor league free agent that you just say, you're the guy, no matter how bad it is, we're sending you out there every fifth day to get us through the season because somebody's got to pitch until we think we have pitchers. Until Grayson Rodriguez is ready and somebody else pans out from this group, until we have pitchers, I would just throw somebody out there and I get it. There'd be the, but I don't want to watch Matt Harvey pitch every fifth day. I, I don't. Is it going to be that drastically different? Are you suddenly going to say to yourself, I have to watch because Danny Duffy is pitching tonight and the Orioles are 10 games under 500 in May? It doesn't, it's not my money. I don't really care, right? You know, they want to spend eight, nine million bucks to go get somebody. I just, to me, the only guys that are worth spending money on are the guys that are going to be around for a little while. I'm not one year yeah. deals. I, 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 I get the argument. I the, the the argument I gave you about having good defense behind you is the only one that I can really give you that makes any kind of sense. It, it would have made an argument for Andrelton Simmons, right? Like you want to make an argument that if you acquire Andrelton Simmons, it will help make your pitchers better. One thousand percent. I'm mm-hmm. listening to that argument. It's been the argument they've signed a couple of veteran shortstops in recent years. You know, I don't know how much of an impact it's made, but they they've done it. I'll listen that that helps make your pitchers better, but that's the only real argument that I'll listen to about a one-year signing is something that you think will help you in improving the young pitchers that you have. Uh, I feel like there was something else I needed. Oh, Fernando Tatis is out for a little while, and that's a bummer. Fractured risk. It's going to sideline for several months. As you know, I'm a clo- I'm a I'm a I cheat on the Orioles with the Padres in recent years, so it's a bummer for me as a Padres fan that uh, we're not going to see Fernando Tatis for a little while. 
Glory Days Grill. Oh, love me some Glory Days Grill. The St. Patrick's menu is available right now. It includes the Reuben, the Rachel, the Smoky Thigh Wings with the Guinness Grilling Sauce. So much more. The Shepherd's Pie with the Guinness Braised Beef. All available at your neighborhood at Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to get your order in. I didn't even notice Proctor was hopping in. Um, Proctor says, uh, oh, about inventing Anna. It was crazy what that chick tried to pull. Almost amazing, but the show was met at best. It's exactly how I feel. I get why it's such a compelling story. The show was terrible. The story, wildly compelling. Terrible show. How she pulled it all off, the things she was able to do, I mean, it is amazing, right? But the show, the the biggest problem the show ended up having is in trying to tell the story of why all of these people failed, why were they all so duped by this girl, they end up telling a story like they've also been duped, but the show itself has been duped by the girl. And they try to present it as though this girl has redeeming qualities and this girl is somehow the hero of the story. And she ain't. She has no redeeming qualities. She's a fraud. She's a scam artist. That's all she is. There's nothing else there. There's no, yeah, but. There's nothing redeemable about, but you're supposed to be a good friend or something along those lines. It ends up being an utterly wretched television show i remember talking about this when wolf of wall street came out like it greatly bothers me the scene in wolf of wall street where like after the 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 fbi guys busted jordan belfort they like cut back to him and he's miserable and he's riding on the the train and they're trying to like almost portray it as though well who really won here right no no not at all this is where we fail we fail because we still continue to project that the scam artist, the guy that did the scheme, is the real winner in everything. Either because that's what we have to do when we make movies in order to get that person to participate, or because we think it tells some sort of compelling story, and the story is problematic. We have a responsibility to say, no, this is not something to aspire to. And inventing Anna is just, oh, it's trash. So bad. So bad. Ay, ay, ay. But yeah, the Lakers show. The win- winning time is a lot of fun. I didn't want to get sucked into it because of who the actress was. From You don't like uh, Julia Garner? She's great. No, no. I like her. It's, uh, it's a girl from Ozark. Yes. Right? Yes. But I knew that putting her, having her in it, and having her be that on the face and that the face of it in, on Netflix was going to get people to watch. And when I read when I read the info, I'm like, well, this the story not- was pretty famous. Too. I mean, like the story itself. This this girl Anna Sorokin, who the story is based on, like mm-hmm. they could have gotten anybody to play her. It's such a wild story that you would be willing to watch. The Proctor's point: they tried to set her up as a little guy taking on the big bad establishment, but she's a criminal. Like that's you constantly. People ask me all the time. I always have said, "Catch me if you can." It's the greatest motion picture ever made. And like, what's the difference? The way that they presented Frank Abagnale as sort of being like a almost like a Robin Hood. Except for the fact that if you actually watch Inventing Anna, there's no confusion. She is constantly just trying to be. She wants to be something she isn't so badly that she doesn't care what has to happen in order for her to be that person. 
she is unconcerned to what lengths she has to go in order to be that person. And they try to present that as redeemable in some sort of way. Or they present it as though, like, yeah, she might have done all these things, but she got people to pay attention to what dress she wore in court, and that's a redeeming quality. No, it ain't. (laughs) We are lost as a society because we think those things are redeemable. Who gives a flying F? Not me. Thank you. Awful. It's a wretched show. Terrible. Go ahead. Tidbit. Tidbit's brought to you today by, um, what's it brought to you by? It's by, brought to you by the uh, Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. All right, so Tom Brady announced last night that he will be returning to the NFL for his 23rd season a mere 40 days after announcing his retirement. Brady, of course, led the NFL in passing yards and touchdowns in 2021, so the fact that he is returning really shouldn't surprise anyone. Did you know that if Tom Brady throws for 39 touchdowns in 2022? Which he almost certainly will. Assuming he isn't traded, yeah. he will become the Buccaneers' all-time leader in touchdown passes, passing Jameis Winston's 121 touchdowns. Of course, one record that Brady owns that will be hard for anyone to pass is his seven Super Bowl victories more than any other franchise. Aside from Brady, which players hold the most championships in the four major sports in America? I'm going to give you the name of the guy in the NHL because there's just no way you were ever right, going to get it. So say that one more time. So which four, which player in each of the four American sports right. has the most championships? The most championships won. Right. So I'm going to give you the name of the guy in the NHL. Well, no okay, fine. Go ahead. Henry Richard. Henry, well, Henry Richard, with an I. It's Richard, but that's okay. Oh, Richard. Oh, yes. do you think you would have gotten it? I wouldn't. I, it wouldn't have been anywhere near the close. I mean, if we had been here for a long time, I might have gotten to it eventually, but I'm fine with you just giving it. Um, how many did he win? Uh, nine? Eleven. Eleven, okay. Okay. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain. No. Bill Russell, sorry. Bill Russell. Yeah, that's exactly Eleven Bill with, Russell. The Celt- yes. with the Celtics. I didn't know that. I don't know why I blanked there. And... One other hint I'm going to give you because it, it needs it's a caveat needs yeah. to be said. The other guy in the NF and the NFL, it's NFL championships. It's not just Super Bowl. Oh, because I was going to guess Charles Haley, but he was only five, right? That was, yeah. it was five so it's, it's Charles not Haley? it's not Charles Haley, and I don't think he had five. I think he had four. Four was it just four really? All right. Um, the other it includes NFL championship. Hey, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm going to go back. Is baseball Yogi Berra? Baseball is Yogi okay. Berra. He won right. 10 with the Yankees. You have one left, the NFL. Oh, Proctor actually knew that. That's well done. Oh, he wants to guess Venetieri, but no, it's not no. Venetieri because we just learned it's... And he said player, not coach, so it's not Vince Lombardi. Correct. Player. A player that won championships. Otto Graham. Otto Graham. He really? Won, he won seven with the Browns. No. Seven NFL championships. Oh, man. That's, that's wild. That's a good. <laughs> I just totally pulled out. I am, I am impressed. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm utter. more impressed that you got Otto Graham or that you knew who Henry Richard was. Well, I mean, the Richard. Okay, that's a different. We'll have a conversation about that another day because it's already 1226. Um, wow. Wow. Nicely done. That's totally random. Nicely it's a, done. It's just a lot, honest to God, nothing more than an old football name that I thought of. <laughs> and that's the reason why I said it. Wow. That was cool. Hey, coming up tonight, Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley are back with you on Facebook Live, and they'll be chatting with Doug DeSensei 
A lot to discuss um, in the fallout from uh, the uh, CBA. Of course, Doug DeSensei, someone who um, was a player rep during his career, so he'll give some perspective on the end of the lockout and what's coming up next. Doug DeSensei joins Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley tonight on Facebook Live. You will want to make sure you check that out. And if you miss it live, you'll be able to watch it tomorrow, facebook.com slash Sports or at PressBoxOnline.com slash video. And that's tonight at 7, by the way, if you want to watch it live. Uh, here's what's coming up tonight. Totally tubular-wise, Totally Tubular is brought to you by... Ooh, it's brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, we'll be back this Friday in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Rodney Elliott and I will be hanging out with you from 12 to 4, watching games, giving you advice. I told you yesterday to bet the under in the Big Ten title game. If you had been there, you would have been cashing in on that. Also, we will have great giveaways. They have these really cool cups at Live Casino Hotel that when you put liquid in them, they turn red. It's very neat. And so we were giving some of those away yesterday. Uh, we'll have great prizes Friday afternoon as we're hanging out there. Of course, every day during the first weekend of the tournament, Live Casino and Hotel, the FanDuel Sportsbook, will open at 9 a.m. So 9 a.m. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And if you make a $50 bet on any game in the NCAA tournament this year, whether you win or not, hold on to your ticket and you'll be entered into the hopper. You'll win a bracket bonus. Somebody's going to win a $500 bracket bonus despite losing on their bet. So make sure you get down to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. All right, here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. The players wraps up this afternoon on Golf Channel as they have been playing through rain and wind, but that'll wrap the day. Golf Channel for round four at 1 o'clock. Big Ten Network Plus, Georgetown and Maryland Baseball at 6 o'clock. NBC Sports Washington, Wizards Warriors at 10. ESPN for Nuggets Sixers at 7.30. Bucks Jazz at 10. NHL Network, Coyote Senators at 7.30. Tennis Channel, more coverage from Indian Wells at 2 o'clock. Nice to see uh, Tommy Paul knock out Sasha Zverev last night. That was a big win. USA Network for uh, Man City and Crystal Palace at 4. And the WWE Raw tonight at 8 as well on USA. Some non-sports highlights. Marissa Tomei is going to be on the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Marissa Hill. Tomei. Everybody loves Marissa Tomei. Aunt May. I love me some Aunt May. There you go. Um, uh, pretty saucy night on A&E. You have Secrets of Playboy at 9 and the Chippendale Murders at 10. Ah. Um, and then The Gilded Age and My Brilliant Friend at 9 and 10 on HBO. I really like The Gilded Age. I'm, I'm, I've heard a lot of good things about that I have, I have yet program. to check it I out. I spent no time with it myself. But it's on the home box office, so there it's got to be good. All right. Thanks today to uh, Jeremy Kahn. Thanks also to Dan Duquette, as well as to Jeff Ehrman from InsideMDSports.com. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the tab at com. Patrick Stevens will join us tomorrow. Um, Brenda Freeze, yay, nay. Uh, I'm still. Wait- I'm gonna send okay. another. Expected. We should chat have with her Brenda Freeze tomorrow, and I believe also Antoine White, who is the women's coach at Mount St. Mary's. Is yes, no men's team made it into the tournament, but two area women's teams are in. So we will catch up with them before the tournament gets underway. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Go nobody. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.